Welcome back to the Ladies of Gumption. This is episode 107, Doomed with Deception. I am Jessica, a.k.a. Queen of Predicting Shit, <laughs> and I am here with <laughs> May and Tatiana. I just probably jinxed myself. Nothing I ever say from now on is going to ever be right, probably. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> we are the Ladies of Gumption Recap DCTV and a Flash. Um, you can find us on... Um, you can find our episodes on our Podomatic page, LaysaBGumption at Podomatic.com. You can listen to our episodes also on um, the iTunes app, whatever their podcast app is, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher. Um, or And you can also send us feedback because we have like a lot of feedback that we like to get from listeners and fellow ACTV fans. So you can do that at LaysaBGumption.com. You can follow along with our live tweets on at DCTV Gumption on Twitter, or you can send us your reviews uh, to our email, ladieswgumption at gmail.com, and we will include your feedback in the podcast like we do every week. Um, Patreons, thank you for subscribing and um, helping us keep our podcast afloat. You get episodes 24 hours in advance, um, and then also you get special content on um, hiatus weeks when... There are no shows on, but you still want to listen to something. So I think May has finally completed Witcher, right? I have, and Elite Season 3 has been announced in March, so... That's right. Yes. So we're going to... Once we've three, got a hiatus, we're going to do block. those things. Yes. So stay tuned for that. Um, in the news, we have a little bit of news. Uh, Beth Schwartz appears to shoot down the Canaries... Rumor that they opened a production office in in Vancouver, so that's a little bit of a blow to anyone excited or wanting the Canaries to get picked up. Um, any thoughts on that? I mean, I still don't think it's going to get picked up. <laughs> right. That's I guess. I, like, I feel like her shutting it down, like seeing, like I, I wish that was true. It's kind of making it more seem like that it won't get picked up, which is kind of yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't mind it, but I mean, like, it's kind of weird that it it wouldn't get picked up when they're picking up everything under the sun, right. DCTV right. related. And, I mean, yeah, I still think that, like, um, Arrow still gets a lot of uh, traction, even if it doesn't, you know, like, it doesn't get viewers, but then again, neither does anything else on the CW, so that can't be the factor. So I do wonder yeah. what the reason is if they did if they just decided to pick it up as if they just didn't think the pitch was strong enough maybe you know I don't know interesting yeah I feel like that's part of it and also because they already um, they picked up like Superman and Lois so they already have like that could be a replacement technically for like the Arrow slot since they already renewed all the other shows that they have and then they have like. So that was picked up to series order, and they also have that Walker, Texas Ranger reboot that they oh, picked yeah. up. And then they have several other pilots that they're developing, like Kung Fu pilots. So I feel like they also want to Bridge not stick to superheroes. the superhero stuff, specifically because it's yeah. not anything new-new because it still exists in the Arrow world. So I don't know. Well, I feel like if, if you're going to say like it's not something new-new, like I'd rather... I mean, like, Superman and Lois, you have, like, two supers now on one network. I feel like that would be more of an overlap than having an Arrow show or replace an Arrow show, but whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, if you haven't, you can read this very well-written article that TV Guide did. Um, 
what is the writer's name? Keisha Hatchett, and she wrote um, a really nice, well-written article on Candace Patton and Iris West on The Flash and how six seasons in, The Flash finally let Iris West be black, and now she the show is the best it has ever been. And it's getting a lot of uh, really good traction and comments from other um, celebrities and um, executive producers and stuff from the CW world. So it's really nice to see finally get that acknowledgement, especially in Black History Month, because I think that's really great. And there's, she was also um, And especially from TV Guide, because they yes. have not had a greatest record with when it comes to her or, like, other black actors on especially the season. In the earlier seasons, Flash season one, season two, they were on some bullshit. Um, they were also on some bullshit with James. But I feel like um, mm-hmm. definitely in these past few years, they have hired more diverse writers in the media room Mm -hmm. um and we can see that so it's not just like and we've been saying it for a while but it's not just you know diversity on the shows but also diversity in the media because the media helps push and cover things that they want to be pushed to the forefront and in season like the earlier seasons of flash it was definitely a lot of white media and so they definitely pushed um an angle that did not exist on the show because that's what they wanted to promote. Um, and so it's nice to finally see that more media are starting to speak out in support of Candace. And I think part of that is because we have more diverse media behind yeah. the scenes. Yeah. So that's yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's definitely, it's definitely a, a, you know, a good combination that, the the show stood its ground and the and has continued you know to keep her as the female lead which it could have chosen not to do like other shows and also the media became more diverse and thus more open to accepting what they were being fed <laughs> um and to spread it to other people so now because like obviously even people that would say in the early days one thing have flipped yes so, that is good Yes. Also, this week in news, I got to watch Birds of Prey. So, (laughs) what did you think? I really enjoyed it. Um, I I don't know that I was really a Harley stan before. Mm -hmm. I think she's like really like overly used a lot in media, Um, like one of the DC TV characters. But I really really enjoyed her in this movie. I liked Margot's um, impersonation or characterization of her. I thought she was just perfect. Um, I like all of the being it. It was a little bit confusing at first, having it being told from Harley's point of view because she kept jumping around to different kind of things. I'm like, wait, how do we get here? And then like all this kind of stuff. But like, you can tell when she is like over dramatizing stuff it comes out on the screen so like when she like blows up the ace chemicals things there's all these like fireworks everywhere um her uh, my probably my favorite scene was when she was like busting into the police department to find cassandra kane and she was um yes. using, like the, the smoke bombs and everything mm-hmm. and, the, and like the betty gun um i thought that the chore- choreography was really really well done too um so, like, again, with Harley and the police station and the, like, water fight when she's, like, fighting all the 
the guys in the jail cells mm-hmm. or um, I thought Journey Smollett did a great job as Black Canary and her fight scenes. I wish there was like more of her. I didn't really like the creepy like relationship with her and Black Mask, but I just like her in general. And I thought she and Harley had really good banter. Mm-hmm. Um, and they kept kind of like running into each other. I love Renee Montoya. Um, I thought Rosie Perez did a great job as her. Um, I like Bruce the Hyena. <laughs> like, there's just so many levels about that was just like really, really awesome and kind of like flowed together. Um, I like how Harley is just like a touch insane, but she also like they also incorporated her PhD and psychiatry and, and how that played into her as a character. Um, yeah, <laughs> enough of my talking. Like, what else? What else did you guys like about the movie? <laughs> I mean, I agree with you about Journey. I thought that she did such a great job as Dinah, and even though like all of the other girls uh, had a very little in comparison to Harley, it definitely was a Harley movie. Um, she had, I think, like a lot of the most like uh, nuanced and interesting moments. So, like her backstory yeah. was probably incorporated the most seamlessly into the film which um i liked i definitely would love to see a uh you know a solo film of that dinah or a birds of prey film with her as like the lead um and and like i also like i thought rosie perez did a great job with the renee that you know that was written um so i really liked her um and she and dinah had i liked that ali wong was her girlfriend her, yeah. her ex-girlfriend yeah, I was yeah. like, what? That relationship went real sour. What happened here? I was like, I was so bad at her. I was like, what happened? Um, <laughs> but uh, one thing that I will say, I thought I thought that um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, like Huntress probably got like the shortest end of the stick. Just like mm-hmm. it was like her backstory is like a really heavy backstory to just kind of be like, hey, this happened this to me. Happened. And now it's kind of like a one-note, like, joke about, like, call me Huntress instead of the crossbow killer. So I was like, okay, I mean, sure. They'd have to expand more on her character. She was still, like, she stuck still to the job and she was, like, fun. But it was probably, like, the weakest of the main characters. And then Ella J. Basco did a great job. And I love this child. And I want to see her hang out with Harley all the time. But that was not Cassandra Kane. I don't know why. I feel like he could have called her anything. Other than Cassandra Cain, because that was not the character of Cassandra Cain, and she'll probably never hang out with anyone related like to Batman. So even more reason for it, Cassandra Cain is not a bird of prey anyway. So yes, they could have made her not that. Like I don't know, I don't know who they could have made her, but literally anyone else. Okay, that's all. Yeah, I agree with that. I was wondering why they also had her be Cassandra Cain too, because like. She could have just been some random child that they named something else. Like, that's not her backstory or her characterization, but alas. <laughs> I think that was, like, my main uh, issue with the movie. In general, I thought it was, like, really fun. The action scenes were super memorable. Um, the way that they were choreographed and shot and specifically, like, the one where right before um, they go down the, like, the slide or whatever – in the amusement park. I love that the actual last scene, like the fight scene took place at an amusement park. Cause I thought that was very fitting. And 
I like the whole the whole movie. I was like, okay, but is Black Canary gonna do her canary cry? And then she does it. I'm just like, yes. <laughs> so I really like that they kept it to the end because it didn't really seem like they wanted to include a lot of like supernatural elements to the movie. So it was nice that they kept it until then, and that you know, her and Renee had sort of a relationship because they introduced like her mom having worked with the police department and why she was not right. willing to um, do that. So that was really good. Like, like you said, you know, her backstory was at least none of them had as much as Harley, obviously. Yes. But like there, I'm really pleasantly surprised by how much black Canary did get in terms of like having her backstory laid out versus like all the other characters um i think that like part of me wanted more huntress but at the same time like i sort of understood why they did that because they wanted it all to remain a mystery uh except for like dc fans who already knew the bertinelli family and who she was or whatever but like in the story itself like oh this is the little girl now she's all grown up and she's come back to kick your ass (laughs) um but yeah i thought it was like very stylized and it had it was very like I just love that all their backstories sort of had some some man did them wrong, and they were all just gonna like punch you in the face because you're trash. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because like people are so, or men are sometimes just so sensitive. Like my friend's boyfriend didn't like the movie because he was like I felt like it was very anti man because every man in it was garbage. <laughs> and I was like, uh, what about Sal the Sandwich Man? He made great sandwiches that she loved. Oh, yeah. Sal was How like, you? nothing wrong. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, speaking like, of sandwiches, like, I love that the love story fired. So. You love that what? <laughs> I love that the, like, you know, love story of the movie was like Harley and her sandwich. This is how you feel when you've been robbed of your breakfast, okay? Yeah. Moving on to uh, feedback, we have changed the format, so we'll do like our feedback um, in the shows that they correspond to. But I did want to mention um, Adora721 because she left a feedback on our Podomatic site that um, I had meant to read like last week and forgot, so I'm going to read it here. Um, but basically, she just left a comment on our previous episodes, like, why don't the powers of be allow Cisco? to start Ramon Industries, like in Flashpoint. Cisco gave up his powers to have a normal life, yet he remains on Team Flash. Doing so keeps him in the same danger as before, but without powers to protect himself or others. He finally gets over Cynthia and even insults her murder and is in love with Camilla. However, now he's leaving her for who knows how long to catalog new metas in the city, the country, and around the globe. That makes zero sense. Can't they catalog these new metas? Remote industry should be a rival to McCullough Tech and others. Cisco should have his own company and sells technologies to law enforcement around the country or the world and not just keep it for Star Labs to use only. His friends should encourage him to do so. That would be normal. There are ways to incorporate Cisco's latest technology efforts into the plots of each episode while Cisco is building his company. Think back to season one when Cisco created the coal gun to defend Barry against Barry, which ended up being sold by Leonard Snart, or in season two when he created the boot. CEO Ramon would be still involved in helping Team Flash with his own life involving in parallel. It feels like the powers would be continued limits to Cisco's potential, first taking away his powers and now preventing a genius engineer from branching out to create his own company. By the way, why is a member of West Allen family even asked if Wally's still around on Earth Prime? And the reason I wanted to talk about it because she makes like really, really excellent points, especially about Cisco 
in Ramon Industries. It's like, why is it, was it just like a one-off from Flashpoint, or why was it never brought back up? Because I feel like if we're struggling to give Cisco a storyline, that would be like a good one to give, but I don't know. Yeah. That would be great. <laughs> they don't want to be great, yes. Dory <laughs> makes some great points because yes. I feel like the show, in terms of imagination, like it's picked back up, but it's clear that certain characters from Yore are no longer like a part of heavily a part of that vision in terms right. of like how the show yeah. is moving forward and what they're trying to do with the story and in, in Central City in general. Because I feel like, and what bugs me the most, I think about the whole thing. <laughs> I'm not, yeah, I, I'm not either. Except, except maybe with Cisco, because I feel like there's Cisco, a lot of potential yeah. there. They've never um, started with him before. So. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like they know he's talented. They know he can bring it. Carlos is amazing, mm-hmm. and they clearly like Cisco a lot. But what really bugs me, especially about like this season, is I feel like Carlos is off doing something on the side, but. We don't know what it is. Exactly. So it if we help. knew what it is, it would help yeah. more. It doesn't help <laughs> that, like, we he's just gone and we don't know why. You know, it's obviously as he chose to or maybe he asked for a few episodes off because it doesn't seem like that's where they wanted to really go. So they had to write him out for a while. So I don't know. It's just, like, there's so much lost potential there and it's upsetting. Yeah. I totally agree. It's really unfortunate. Um because, I mean, like, it's been seasons of them not giving him anything, really. Like, the last time. Yeah. I can't remember the last time he had a really meaty storyline. I think it was season three, and everyone hated it. Everyone was mad about it. Well, I mean, but, like, I don't know if it was meaty, but, like, season, what was it, five? Or whatever the Medicaid Cure was. That was season five, right? Yeah. That was supposed to be, like, his meaty storyline. And uh, that was so terrible. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know. But, um, so I totally understand if he was, like, I've booked, you know, this other thing, or he's working on his music, probably, you know, like, I don't know what it is. Or he's just like, hey, I'm, you know, living in New York, and I'd like to spend more time in New York. Whatever the reason is, I totally understand him wanting um, more time off, and if that's sort of, like, the agreement they came to so he doesn't leave the show, then, you know, that's great. But I still think that they should make use of the time they have with him. And not make mm-hmm. it like I mean I guess they did like they tried with the Cynthia episode that was good for him, even though it was not good for Cynthia. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <I'm not> even. <laughs> at the same time, like it sort of leaves Cam- like they introduced Camilla for Cisco, so like now that they're together and he's gone, we don't see her either. Nor are we seeing her at the Citizens. So it's like I don't know what they're doing there, you know. I mean, I guess right now it's not really Iris as a citizen, but do mm-hmm. you think that they would have an episode? Maybe we will. This is like a prediction. Like, they should have an episode where the citizen ladies are like, hmm, something is up with Iris, you know? Or yeah. even, like, Iris has been avoiding That'd the That'd be citizen, shitty. That'd be, like, really shitty is, if, like, his her employees figured out something was wrong with her before Barry. <laughs> LOL. Hey, Barry has already figured out something's wrong Yeah, he's on to something. <laughs> he doesn't okay. even know what it is that's wrong. But if, if, if they're like, this is not Iris, before he says this is not Iris, that would be super mad. That would be super weird. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that they do that, but at the very least, like, show us, like, what is different, you know? Like, what yes. is Iris doing with the citizen that is, you know, is everything about her exactly the same, just with a little bit more pizzazz? Like, you know, like, she's a little bit more ready to Puss- kill people? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I was like looking for a euphemism for just like being like cold and calculating. You know? 
<laughs> a little chillier. What? I don't know. But because I'm like, what is what is Iris's goal? I guess that's the question. So it would help if we saw a citizen to know. Um, of the Flash and Mary Iris, we will get to them shortly. Because on um, now moving into the format of the episode, we have Superbat on side A and Flash and Legends on side B. There was no Black Lightning this week because of President's Day. Um, so we have short, <laughs> shorter in quotes. <laughs> we'll talk about likes, dislikes, and ladies' gumption of the week. Um, Tati is our host. She will take it away for us on side A, Superbat. Moth to a flame slash B42, which when I heard it, I mistakenly thought of like the rock lobster. Oh. <laughs> that's, that's B52. Close. So close. <laughs> to kill, which I don't know how they get. Yeah, so close. I don't know how they got that out of shoot to kill, but whatever. All right, take it away, Tati. All right. So, this is Supergirl back from the future part two which was back after a somewhat extended hiatus, making me forget that technically we had a two-part episode. Uh, Brainy must choose between Alex and Lex. Supergirl helps Wynn face his greatest fear. I don't know what that fear is. After Alex sets out to find evidence against Lex. His dad, that's right. No, but that happened last, wait, no, that was this week. Just kidding, that just happened. I was like, see again, I'm like, didn't that already happen? Um, his greatest fear, I thought, was losing his family, but I guess now it's, you know, his dad. Being nice to his dad is his greatest fear. After Alex sets out to find evidence against Lex, Brainy must decide between helping his friend or continuing to work secretly for Flex. Alexis Ostrander directed the episode, written by Rob Wright and Jay Holtham, who is a very mysterious person that does not want us to know their first name. What uh, sparked joy about this episode? Like, I love how I didn't even describe this in the episode because of how irrelevant it was, despite being in the promo. But Kara also had to decide between dating William or not dating William. So that happened. What sparked joy? Everything that happened outside the DEO, I guess. Um, I really like that we are finally moving forward with some of the Luther stuff, like the planning and how it's intertwining with Andrea's plight for... um, obsidian tech like it's super creepy like this is the first episode that felt like a true homage to black mirror because technology was just everywhere and technology was bad but also like andrea is sitting here trying to figure out how to have people eat in a virtual reality without getting sick while like from a company perspective they're you know lex went to her boss to push for Obsidian to, like, to give it to LexCore or LutherCore. And it was so manipulative of both Lex and Lena because they both had something to do with it. Like, when he came to her and he was like, oh, but you already knew that because you basically, like set it up to fail essentially so she can you can go to her and ask her to join in as a friend. So it really showcased, like, how much how similar Lex and Lena were as siblings and like what they're willing to go, the lengths that they're willing to go to, to get what they want. Um, So that was really good. Um, But I also like that Andrea didn't like, she had the reasons that she had for not trusting Lena, like because of their past relationship. Like now that they were friends again, she's like, I don't want to go there. So let's leave it at that. Um, And I really like the fact that, 
Alex is finally getting out of the DEO, to be honest, because like it felt for a while, it still feels like we're not really getting any of her personal life because that whole I want to adopt a kid storyline was dropped and then you had her and Kelly's relationship is currently on pause for the last few episodes, so I don't know what's going on there. So I feel like her deciding not to work with Lex because he has eyes everywhere is something that she would do for moral reasons. And then, um, so that made a lot, a lot of sense, like her resignation, even though it sucks because that leaves Brainy to kind of just do whatever he want working for Lex now. Like she was so close to figuring out something, and like she, I, I like the moment that she actually came after Brainy and she's like, I can't believe you went snooping or into my account or whatever. Um, so it just felt like something was finally happening in, in that arena. And yeah, so I really like that she resigned, and I really like that she will be working with Jean at the, um, at the tower, the little watchtower they've got going on so they can be private investigators together and do their thing. And it would just be really nice to finally get out of the DEO because I feel like Flash is sort of ditching Star Labs, Supergirl will be sort of ditching the DEO or finally leaving and seeing more of the cities and people's personal lives, which is great. And I actually, like, my expectation for the, I guess because we were so worried that William and Cara were going to go on their first date in this episode and it was going to be so fast. But I did like that it was sort of a build up to to that moment. And also that like when was the one offering her like advice about trusting people because Cara is like really screwed up about what happened with Lena. And that whole like that relationship is still sort of driving the season, even though they don't really interact that much. And it feels like some it's finally like showcasing how she feels about the whole thing, like how she's traumatized by it. So it's going to affect like her relationships moving forward, even though there's a lot of that to dislike, <laughs> which I will mention later. Um but yeah, I think like those moments were were really strong, and we got as long as like when we were outside the D, the DEO, everything was like great, and I felt like the plot was moving forward. Um, yeah, yeah, like I agree with a lot of that. Obviously, because <laughs> we don't disagree much, but um, <laughs> we should have one with like, we can only say opposing opinions. You're not allowed to agree. You could ooh, ooh, the ladies with gumption. Like I will counter everything you say. <laughs> um, but I actually like one of the small things I liked. I did like the fun karaoke night at the bar. Um, just because, like, again, I've said, I think I've said this before, but, like, all of the little touches that Supergirl adds that actually makes you feel like these people are friends outside of their superhero duties. Because um, it's not like thing this like Kara and her friends her family always says karaoke night they always have game night you always have there's always this like kind of um interconnectedness behind the story like it's not a of attention but you, you they show these things so that you know on their off time they still hang out um which I think is great because I don't think any of the other shows really do that um so that's always fun and the fact that William is now getting inducted into like he's at game night last night last week and then he's at or the last karaoke, episode and he's yeah. at karaoke night this time and so it's kind of like nice how they help they introduce all their friends through <laughs> different things that they do together so i thought that was fun love that alex quit the deal um 
I thought that was great because I, I feel like it's time for her to move on, especially since they don't really seem to want to move her past anything in the DEO. Like, she's supposed to be a director, but she's still out in the field and doing all this kind of stuff. Um, not really getting a story beyond that, beyond just, like, doing her role as director. So it was nice that she quit because now that means I can give her a story about Queen and what that means for her. So that's great. And I like that John offered her a job to join him in the tower. That's also great because I feel like it's also different from the other era of our shows. Never had her own bunker, so to speak, um, because it was just kind of like enveloped into the DEO and the government organization. And because of that, she's had to do play stuff by like government rules and have a boss. And I, like, I don't even think they give, she gets paid. Did she get paid from the DEO? Did she have a salary? I don't think she does. <laughs> so it's just like all this like free labor underneath the government organization. Um, but now with, like, the tower, it feels like she's actually getting her own bunker and her own space where she is not beholden to anybody else. Um, so it's, like, a true superhero bunker. Um, so I like seeing that come together and Alex going over to the tower and leaving the EO. Um, I guess I like that Lex picked up on Lex mentioning the suit that Lena made for her for Car to protect against the kryptonite. Because, like, um, they, when he called, and he was like, what's going on? I actually thought that was a funny moment where <laughs> there's just, like, a ring, and Alex is like, what's, what is that? Um, I thought that was, like, a little bit of nice comedy. Uh, but the fact that he was, there's Kryptonian safeguards, and Alex is like, we got something for that. And he picked up on the fact that she was remembering another timeline, which means that she remembers the Lex that he used to be. Um so she kind of slipped up without her really even knowing it. I don't know if she picked up on that. Like now knows that she knows. Um, but I liked it because at least it means that he's not like a complete idiot. <laughs> even though he does like get into bed with the very enemy he's trying to take down later in the episode when he goes to meet with Jenna to get her to coerce Andrea to accept Lena's proposition. Um, I just, I thought that also was kind of situationally thing is how he was been like railing against this invisible enemy for the back half of this season and now he's like in front of the person that he's trying to find and he just Don't does not know it's not a- <laughs> so that was situationally um i also like that andrea turned down the offer to help lena um just because she's like I've been there, we've been there before, we tried to do this, and it didn't work out well. I respect our friendship too much to do that again with you. Like, sometimes you just don't mix business and friends, because it doesn't always work. Um, That reasoning went completely over Lena's head, because Lena doesn't actually care about Andrea right now. She only wants what she can get from Andrea. Um, So I also like that Lex pointed out that exact fact to her later in the episode. She tried to, like, cover it up. It's like, no, this is for humanity. But, like, the more that I think Lex points it out to her, I feel like the weaker her, maybe, hopefully, in her mind, the weaker her excuse gets <laughs> as to why she does the things she does. Um, so I like those little little tidbits throughout the story. Um, and I also like the conversation between Wynn and Kara on why Kara was afraid to give the idea of William a chance. Um Although I don't really know what to think of her so heavily comparing her relationship with Lena. Like, she's talking about, like, 
new relationships and new love. She's like, but with Lena, <laughs> it fell apart because I lied. And so I like I don't know like considering the writers have never wanted to go there. Um, I don't know like yeah, I get I get you know this is a relationship that she felt a lot about and it dissolved even if it's like platonic one it dissolved because of a lie and so how can she move forward in a relationship with someone else that she could care about romantically and it you know starts with a lie but I, I did feel like the it was very heavily you know a little bit overlapping that this relationship with Lena was like the most cherished thing to her. <laughs> kind of like, well, why is that, Kara? Why is it the most cherished thing to you? Um, but anyways, I I like the conversation with when and when you know saying like you're not gonna marry him tomorrow, Kara. So <laughs> so like it's not you know why not just see where it goes? Why be afraid to right. you know? start something and see how or where it develops um and I guess like from that conversation I also like slash I don't I didn't really like 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 it didn't bring me like joy joy but I like that they included in there of her going to William like the next day with the intention of asking him out only to be surprised at his thoughtful gift for her sixth grandmother that did not exist and her realizing in that moment like when she lied to him earlier just offhandedly to get out of the conversation and handle something at the DEO. She was already starting that relationship with lies. So even from before the get-go, it's already like built on lies. She's like, no, I cannot do this and runs away from it. Um, so I, I think that was like really interesting in terms of her setting up for the next story and Mr. Mixxpitalik showing up at the end of the episode to kind of offer her this, like, what-if opportunity. So I did like that. Um, and that's probably it. That's all I have to say. <laughs> that was that was a beautiful oh, episode. I guess, I guess one thing I can say. I liked mm-hmm. um, Brainy when he was, like, trying to protect Car and Alex with and did his whole Superman reveal with his three inceptor thingies. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, and he starts okay. like being like the shiny, the shiny moth, um, the shiny flame to draw the Lexo suits. It looks ridiculous, but it also, you know, just him flipping around. But it was still kind of cool. So there. Um, uh, that was beautiful uh, ruminations on this episode. Um, I oh. <laughs> <laughs> feel like I liked almost all the same things. I mean. I definitely liked the karaoke night at, at the bar. I love that, um, you know, Kara singing doesn't sound like Melissa Benoist singing. Um, and and I think it was a good, like, this. these two episodes have shown, like, why William and Kara would get along and then, like, have helped at least, like, set up the idea that Kara likes him. So it's fine, you know? Um, they did the, their best, I guess, with their very, very limited window of... Deciding to throw Kara into a relationship. Um, but like you said too, it's like, it's nice how they're inducting William into the circle of friends. So like, even if that relationship doesn't go anywhere or if they're gonna like stretch it out, they still have a reason for him to be hanging out with them. Um, also I liked the, the like 
dynamic with Alex and Brainy. I liked um, how Brainy was torn and then how Alex was onto him and yet at the same time still believes in him, right? She still has faith that he will do the right thing. So in the end, when she does quit um, the DEO to go work with John, which is great, I cannot wait to find out what the Watchtower or the Tower actually does because I feel like right now he's just been like, hello, I'm at the Tower. I'll see you guys later. Um, so now with Alex there, hopefully we're going to get some more interesting, like, cases or scenarios in which we're going to see them working together again. Um, but anyway, um, then Brainy is kind of left in charge of the DEO, which is going to be a really fun opportunity for him as a character, I think, as well as obviously being very stressful because he's just report to Lex Luthor, um, on two fronts now. Um, but we're, but yeah, um, I think that, uh, it's going to be, you know, obviously a lot more stressful for, for Brainy to juggle, but it'll also help push the storyline where it needs to go. Um, and finally, Leviathan is going somewhere that it needs to go. Because all this time, Lex has been just like, oh, I'm always one step ahead. And now I'm like running circles around a Leviathan that doesn't even exist in this world as far as I know. And then like the first step that he takes that'll get him closer to Leviathan is literally just because Leviathan just got one up on him which is wonderful, and I love uh, seeing Lex be incompetent. As soon as that lady showed up and was like, yes, I'm going to help Andrea work with you guys, it's like, hmm, I wonder if that's Leviathan. <laughs> oh, why would she want that? Um, so, yeah, I, I, was, I was a fan of that. I thought that was fun. And I, and I was a fan, like uh, Jess said, of Andrea not wanting to work with uh, Lena at first and of making that very like you know valid choice that she's like hey you know I respect you as a friend but the last time we had to work together it blew up our friendship and I don't want to do that and Lena's like I stopped listening after you not wanting to work with me because I have no interest in you <laughs> and of course I loved um, Lex calling Lena out on that like I mean obviously Lex sucks so it's not like he has any moral high ground or even wants to. But I like when he's like, hey, Lena, that was a cool thing you did. We're kind of the same. And then Lena's like, excuse yourself? I am doing this for humanity. And then Lex's like, okay, sure. I mean, it's not like I'm going to destroy humanity if I win. And so really, we're the same. <laughs> um, but anyway. So, yeah. Um, I like that. I hope I hope that working with Lex... Um, further uh, helps reveal Lena to herself so that she actually doesn't like what she's doing and changes her ways. That would be the, probably like the best redemption possibility. But anyway, um, also while I liked, um, I liked when in um, Kara, like when giving Kara that like pep talk about William and how like he actually kind of made it made sense, like her behavior and her feelings of, you know, should I be honest or not? Or, or not even should I be honest or not? Should I be with him or not? Because I'm not going to be honest. I don't know why. Like, I still don't know why the secret is even a problem in the first place. Because literally, again, everyone knows. Everyone knows. I thought, you'd think that the resolution would just be, tell everyone. Because <laughs> there's literally no reason not to. But, <laughs> but given that we're still operating under this imaginary impression that you can't tell everyone for some reason. Um, I like how they showed that the, like the like small lies can have ripple effects, and how much Lena and the blow up with Lena has affected Kara moving forward with new relationships. 
Plus, mm-hmm. if you do ship Supercore, then it very much feels like Lena is the ex that has now redefined how Kara views relationships the way that it's yeah. being written. So that's great for me. Um, <laughs> I um, I did like that William took the grandmother thing and then like actually like cared about it and like asked about it and then gave her a gift yeah. for her grandmother. Like it shows that he is you know actively listening to Kara and like actively cares about her. So, like, that's a good sign for the future health of their relationship. Although, and that he's not a dick. Exactly. That, that, that his default setting is not being a dick. <laughs> so, that's good. Um, sad for him. But, like, I did love when she was like, oh, okay, I don't like you, though. Like, that's the problem. And he's like, oh, okay, well, then I'm so sorry that I misinterpreted that. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I will take my puzzle back. Yeah. <laughs> That was, I, I like, I mean, I liked his reaction to it. Like, you know, what else are you going to do? Like, I was like, okay, that's, 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 that's good. That worked out. <laughs> um, I liked getting to see that, like, one second of Kelly, but it was, it was interesting to see, like, what she's working on in this, you know, reality with Andrea. So now we see how far um, Obsidian North has gotten. And also it was, like, suitably creepy. Like, why are you trying to eat virtually? What is the point? Of getting you know what mm-hmm. about that like I actually did for work we had like a future study product so we had to look at 2050 yeah um, like imagine a world in 2050 and look back and that was actually one of the things that we were looking at because like there are some um projects out right now of uh, people like trying to put together some like it, it look like little cubes but if you put on like the VR goggles and some kind of like um sensory thing it makes you feel like you're eating a steak or feel like you're eating something else so i guess like in the future if there's not enough like actual resources for actual food this is mm-hmm. like an alternative to yeah. give you the nutrients that you need but make you feel like you're not eating shit <laughs> <laughs> so you know it's useful but yeah i'm I like, intrigued I like that was also creeped out <laughs> right it's creepy yeah, but it's like, like, I, mean, I guess if you need it right but to make it affordable then what's the point if it's not right right so i guess we'll see yeah. Um, because that's that's the problem with everything, isn't it? Like medicine. I feel like in the future that it would be just. Do we like, feel that way? If like VR, like if VR technology is like more like like relevant in the future, or more like widely available, because I feel like if you're going into the future, real stuff would be the stuff that's becoming more expensive. So like real food would be super expensive because it'd right. be super difficult to and VR cultivate. Things would be cheaper, yeah. And VR things would be like yeah. the the cheaper alternative. Yeah. Well, I mean. Yes, yes, yes and no, because, like, when I think about cars and, like, that whole industry about how it technically should be cheaper now, just, like, have computers have gone down and TVs have gone down, literally everything we own has gone down in price except, like, that and medicine just keep increasing. And things that you actually yes, really need. Yeah, things that you keep going up, and you're yeah. like, well, we're going to end up like Elysium, you know, whatever. All the rich people get to go to the moon or wherever to get their health, live forever while everybody else just... And don't work with the Luthers or with the Liathan. So yeah, <laughs> overall, I thought it was like an, it's an interesting episode to um, branch out those other storylines. Um, I like how we all avoided the same storyline, and that's probably correct. So it's yes. time to talk about the gaping black hole <laughs> of the episode. What did not bring joy? 
Well, or, dear listeners, earlier I was telling the ladies I couldn't barely remember anything about this episode, and that's because most of it was about Wynn and his relationship with his dad, which I personally do not care about. <laughs> and it just it didn't feel like a two-part episode because A, we took a long break, and B, there was no reason that Wynn still needed to be there because now that this doppelganger version of Wynn uploaded himself into the system, everyone else at the DEO could have tackled the system. Like, there was no need for Wynn to be there, and it just... His ship had epi- charger, right? <laughs> it's on low battery. It's charging. <laughs> but it was just, I don't know, it was just really kind of boring. Like, you sat through and you're like, okay, it's over now. And I didn't really have many feelings um, about it because, again, like, Wynn's relationship with his dad. I just feel like that whole thing was introduced to make, to give him a more interesting storyline. But it was never really relevant and I don't know how I even felt about like him changing his code name to Toy Man like to suddenly honor your dad because he saved you like one time. Right. <laughs> um so yeah, it it didn't sit right. Like that that makes no sense to me. After all this turmoil he's caused you, you know, he suddenly does one good thing in his life even after telling you that yes, he's not a changed man, you know, but he was never really going to come out into the real world anyway. So I just feel like he said that. I'm just like, oh, okay, I guess. Bye, Win. You can go now. <laughs> like, it was good to see him. But I feel like once he came back and you saw, like, the old, I guess, quote-unquote, old Supergirl crew, everybody else got sidelined. Like, last episode we had Nia and that nice revelation for her in terms of like her progress and then she's completely absent in this episode again kelly again it's like a minute of screen time and this is like the only amount of screen time she's really gotten in this back half of the season so that's like super concerning like where are these storylines going how are they going to continue being involved in the season's plot if you just keep leaving them out of things like i felt like kelly had great development over the first half of the season, and now that's completely gone or on pause. And then right. Nia is pretty much absent a lot of the time, too, and it just makes no sense to me because they could be doing so much with her storyline as well, and it's just really confusing. Um, besides that, I think that in terms of the whole William and Cara thing, I understand at the point that they were making, but what really bugs me is, like, it just felt like they were using the whole trust thing and the identity thing with Lena as an excuse to continue not moving Kara forward romantically. Like, if you're not going to do Supercore and you want Kara to date William, like, why are you stalling? Like, either you build it up or you don't, because I feel like this is the fifth season, and I think that if Kara wants to be in a relationship, she shouldn't want to hold herself back constantly because she has in the past. And the guy that did decide to date was an asshole before. So it's not like it's not like that. She's been stuck in the single mode since season what three because Mm -hmm. you know she's traumatized by her relationship with Lena because that just happened like a couple of episodes ago. So that is not the reason that she's been single for so long. And now they're using it as a reason why she is gonna still be single for however else long so it's just kind of like (laughs) exactly exactly and it just 
Like, maybe she'll realize it after the 100th episode. She'll be like, you know what? I deserve some happiness. So she's going to go for it. Because Wynn made a lot of good points. Like, she's not going to marry William tomorrow. And there's no, like, pressure. If she doesn't want to tell him her secret identity, yes, she sometimes has to lie. But, like, he doesn't need to know that from the start. Like, it's something that she can willingly share with him later on once she feels like she can really trust him. It's, like, just like when you meet someone, you're not going to reveal all, everything about you from the start like that makes no sense it's just sort of a build-up of the relationship you know it'd be nice if they actually let it just happen naturally um in terms of lena i just feel like like tati was saying like comparing her with lex and she's like offended that she's how dare you like say that we're the same person but you are the same person at this point and i just feel like she has no self-awareness whatsoever in terms of who she is or what she's doing she just has like one goal and it just continues to be so one-dimensional to me like i just need a little bit more nuance i need her to like showcase some more emotion than anger and bitterness towards people because that like that's not humanity you have to have more feelings about things than that you know it's just more complicated and i feel like they're not letting her be a complicated person because they just want her to be a one-note villain so that they can stick her so that they can keep her there rather than have her and car's relationship grow and they can discuss things you know so like it's for the plot but it makes no sense to her as a as a person it took me like two and a half days to get through this episode because um, i just wasn't really interested in finishing it so I feel like this was a two-parter that didn't need to be a two-parter, like a conference meeting that should have been like an email kind of thing. Um, because like this this part compared to the previous one was just like, like this was like a conference meeting that could have been an email. Um, maybe it would have been better if Wynn's dad was in the first episode, just like a, a tease of him because then that would have been a a better connection into the next episode like is he good or bad in this one and then we kind of explore that in the second one um but and that maybe also if this had been back when when was still a series regular then i would have cared more about it but he's not so i don't <laughs> um yeah nitpick i thought i i thought everyone in earth prime loved lex like he was getting a nobel peace prize and all this other stuff but when he talked to Jim Cooper, aka Leviathan. She was clearly not a fan and didn't want to work with Luther Corp. So, and Lex is even pretend to be like offended by that, like we're such a good people. Um, so he played it as old Lex. So I thought that was kind of an E prime inconsistency in the storyline. Um, and then also, I just the whole Brainy working with Lex. I don't enjoy it. I don't enjoy Brainy being on this side. All that he's having to do in the name of, like, saving the world, it sounds, like, weaker and weaker. It's kind of like, he's kind of, like, paralleling Lena in the sense that they're both working for Lex. And their excuse for working with Lex sounds weaker every time they say it. Um, So it's just, like, at what point do you just kind of have to be honest with yourself that this is not the side that you should be on? Um, As a whole, I feel like this episode was filler that felt like filler and that's probably why I shouldn't go on to watch. I don't like that Kelly only had one scene and one line. Um, I, I, I agree with you, May, that in the first half, it felt like she was everywhere and I, I actually commented on that. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that she's not being left behind or anything. She's getting all this like emotional storyline 
<laughs> now it's like non-existent. Um, but I mean, she had more than Nia, who had zero scenes and zero lines. So you know, I don't know. And then we got uh, one of the reviewers um, got a screener for the Supergirl episode, and he was saying that that continues into the hundredth episode because Nia and Kelly don't have much screen time. So I'm just kind of like wondering when that's supposed to start for them. That's it. Yeah, I mean, the entirety of the win storyline was a fail for me. I just did not care. And I did not know why it needed to happen. I don't know why Wynn just didn't go back last episode. There was no reason to stretch it out into a two-parter. So first he's just, like, hanging out. He's like, yeah, sure, why not? I'm hanging out with y'all. And then it's like, oh, wait, my other half is... Or my other half. My doppelganger person is like an AI now in this machine. And also my dad. And my dad is like, hey, I've changed. Just kidding, I haven't changed. But I do love you. Uh, I don't believe you, dad. Let me sacrifice my AI self for you. Oh, I guess I should have believed my AI dad. I guess I'm happy now that my AI dad loved me. And I don't feel like a failure that I didn't know like he felt because it was just one episode in season one that I forgot about. So I don't know. I think it was like a really weird thing to wrap up for Win. Like, I don't think that that was a hanging plot thread in Win's life suddenly. It wasn't even like last episode, was it? Like, did he even mention like, oh, isn't it crazy? I mean, obviously other Win talking about his dad. But this Win wasn't like the specter of my father always hanging over me, making me wonder if I too would lead a life of crime or whatever, you know, <laughs> like nothing. There was nothing. So, um, I don't know. It was super unnecessary. I feel like they could have, uh, spinned their wheels with anything else, like giving us something for Nia to do because definitely Nia not being in the episode at all. And Kelly only having that one scene, uh, were incredibly annoying to me when it's just like win central, uh, all the time. It, it, it would have been, I would have rather had just had win there for moral support, you know, since he knows what's going on with Brainy, and this is, like, a really big, you know, Brainy's decision, Brainy's choice um, episode, <laughs> you think that Wynn would be right there, like, you know, with the pep talks and with the, like, making him sort of see, like, if anything, if anything, because he's giving Kara all this advice, right, about relationships based on lies, you could have paralleled the Brainy storyline and the Kara storyline easily, because Brainy is now in a position where he's having to do... But, parallels. Yeah, you could have done that if you cared about Caradox. But since you don't... Um, <laughs> the Super Writers, I mean. They did not do that. Um, so that would have been a really great bridge for those two stories, and it wasn't there because instead we were just nonsensically wandering around a computer with Wynn's dad and other doppelganger man. So whatever. Um, I didn't care about that. Then... It wasn't the sacrifice was you're a computer program. I also don't care about like Doctor Who did this better. I think it was an episode of Doctor Who where someone's computer program and deleted themselves for the greater good. And it was beautiful. That was good. This was not good. Okay. Um, outside of outside of that, um, I I agree uh, that while I like how Lena factors into Kara's reasoning um, to slow things down and or you know cut things off with William. It's also just someone needed to shake her and be like, that's not even how it works. Like, I don't know what you think is going on. Like, are you going to be a recluse who doesn't interact with anybody ever? Because, like, if you're going to be William's friend, you're still going to be lying to him all the time. You weren't dating Lena. 
So you exactly <laughs> you ruined the friendship with Lena. That's because... my confusion. And this yeah. whole thing. Why is she like so heavily comparing it to Lena? Yeah. So um. So yeah. So like, I guess you could just cut off all contact with William, but then that would mean that you're going to cut off all contact with all people because anyone that is not one of the people that already knows is going to be lied to by you constantly. You're probably lying to your boss every day, aren't you? <laughs> like, shouldn't start a work relationship based on lies. Not doing your job right. But anyway, um, so it's so it like the logic falls apart very easily. Uh, I also like, I don't know. I also it's it's kind of like it's 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 poorly done, and I feel like for a further step is that I feel like the fandom doesn't want it to happen anyway, so they'll just happily take that win. And then won't really care that it's poorly broken down just because the evil is defeated. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I don't know that we're ever going to get to see Kara in yeah, a well. But I think that also says that like they don't really care about Kara either because they're only thinking about how Lena factors into it. You know? I don't know. I mean, I think that like... I would, yeah, I mean, I, I would hope that we all want Kara, you know, if Kara wants to be in a fulfilling relationship. It's just that many of us would like it to be with Lena, but the way that it's been written thus far, that cannot be, even if they would just open, you know, their eyes to the chemistry, like, even in the situation they're in right now, it can't happen. Mm-hmm. But, but even, whatever way, however they're going to, like, walk it back, I just hope that the show puts more effort into Kara's next relationship so that it is superior to uh, officially all the relationships on Supergirl right now because they are all bad. (laughs) (laughs) Alex and Kelly were going to win the day, but like Jessica pointed out, we have not seen Kelly barely in this back half. So I cannot actually confidently state how they are doing. Um, But yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, outside of that, I, I just think it was, it definitely was an episode that was kind of like running on the hamster wheel and I would much rather, uh, get the story, uh, started again, which I feel like the end of the episode is going to do like it set us up for that. So that's good. All right. Um, do we have feedback that we are going to read? We do. We have a feedback from Suara Shion and Celeste. So, Oh, first up was Suara. Yeah. <laughs> On an unpopular episode, it was kind of different feedback. Um, Suara says, I actually liked Supergirl the episode this week, really, <laughs> which smartly dealt with Wynn's daddy issues. He's clearly grown a lot as a character, and that was great to see. It was also great to see Alex standing up to Lex and deciding she wouldn't be part of his organization, hoping to see some of her and Kelly soon. I cannot defend Lena Luther, queen of my heart. Her emotional manipulation of Andrea is gross. It's doing exactly what she claimed others have done to her. Hopefully she realizes the error of her ways sooner rather than later and dumps, dumps Lex for good. Thank you, Swara. Then we have Celeste, who says, for Supergirl, this episode is really boring for me. There's great moments in it, but overall it's just kind of there. Love the Alex and Cara moments. Miss having them couch scenes. The whole Cara William thing was so eh, in my opinion. The karaoke scene was cute, though. Again, the lack of Kelly is so aggravating. I get that they're an ensemble cast, and she can't be in every episode. But if she's not going to be in the episode for more than 30 seconds, then maybe she should just 
they should just not post stills of her scenes. When I love Wynn as a character, but this app just felt out of place. I would have rather had his just had his one episode. I feel like there was something else I had to say, but honestly, I don't remember most of the episodes. So <laughs> overall, she gives it maybe like you a five or a six both. out of ten. <laughs> you and us yeah. Both. As far as like yay, and Ch- uh, Celeste is like ah. So let's see what Chion <laughs> says. <laughs> On Supergirl, she says, yeah, that's right. You're seeing correctly. I'm actually being brave enough to send in some thoughts on Supergirl this week. Yes, I've watched the show all season, but just to let you know, I've not watched previous seasons yet, which is why I've been hesitant to send in anything before now. First, I didn't get the correlation with Kara's decision not to date William because she would have to lie. She could have told him the truth about the grandma thing without making it a thing. That's true. Nobody tells people everything about themselves when they first start dating, so that reasoning was weak and you have to start somewhere. I'm confused as to why some people are bending over backwards to excuse Lena's behaviors. Her actions have been horrible and a bit extreme. The punishment just does not fit the crime in the situation. I get that Kara hurt Lena by not telling her the truth earlier, but isn't she justifying why she probably shouldn't have told her by the actions that Lena's taking now? I don't get the hoopla about Brainy and Nia's ship. They don't seem like a good match. It's just blah to me. Uh, how about Nia... And William, since apparently Kara is not allowed to date. <laughs> I wanted to see more development on screen with Alex and Kelly. Um, so anyway, those are my thoughts from a newcomer's perspective. I, I will say this season has definitely been interesting. So that was for Shion. So thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you. Girl feedback. Woo! And I totally agree, though. Like, she could easily have just been like, oh, I'm sorry. I, I lied about the grandma thing. Because right. I was panicked about you asking Yes. Me. That would have been, you know, a better way to than like, I'm sorry, I'm saying to you. <laughs> that would have been like an emotionally honest moment, at least. Right. And then and then yeah. he would have been either like, oh, that's really weird. I don't like that. Or he'd have been like, oh, I get that it. That would have been her like learning her lesson. Yeah. Like from like the one conversation, that would have been like the better option to be like, oh, man, I already started lying. And then like correcting that lie. Without yeah. having to reveal the other one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. Oh, well. So, uh, predictions? <sighs> For the hundred? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just staring off into space. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I got well, it. Okay, so we know that 100th episode is Mystic like giving Kara all these chances to, like, quote-unquote, get it right. Um, what do we think is the lesson that Carl will learn from this, from her experiences down alternate memory lanes? That she can try to be honest, but she can't help how people are going to react to it. <laughs> um, I think that she's going to realize that... Um, I have no idea because I feel like they can't like fix the relationship in this episode. So maybe she's going to realize just basically that she can't go back. All she can do is fix what there is now, you know? Yeah. I, and I feel like that would be the lesson that I would want her to learn. Cause I feel like up until now she's been super capitulating to Lena and like bending over backwards and be like how Lena is right. And, you know, but she is also a person in this too. And I hope that she'd realize that, no one else is owed her secret. They're not entitled to her secret except for herself. She gets, like, more of a backbone, so to speak. Right. 
this stuff and like feel, feel confident in the decisions that she has made and decisions that she will make moving forward. So I hope it builds her confidence mm-hmm. rather than her trying to like make someone else feel better. Mm-hmm. Right. I hope so as well. Because, you know, she is she is the one character who is consistently doing things for the greater good. So. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say this. I feel like the premise sort of reminds me of the Smallville episode where it was like Happy Lexmas or whatever, where Lex sort of sees his life Oh yeah. Differently, except mm-hmm. now it's going to be from Kara's perspective. But I was thinking it would also be interesting if it was Lena's perspective too. Like she can, like that would be a good redemption episode, I guess. Right. For her. I can see it. I can see it. Well, it's didn't come to Lena. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm, he I has his her. priorities. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So with that, we can move on to. Um, Batwoman, which is Take Your Choice. Two's a crowd. As Ruby, Ruby, I can't read. As Kate (laughs) is pulled between two sisters, Luke and Mary are tasked with finding the cause behind Beth's debilitating headaches. A visitor delivers some good news to Jacob. (laughs) While Sophie takes her new role to the extreme, and Alice makes a devastating discovery. Tara Miele, 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 directed the episode written by Ebony Gilbert. Uh, what sparked joy? I, I like this episode. I thought it was a solid episode, much better than the Supergirl episode, which is, like, so crazy considering how far we've come since <laughs> I would not think I would be in this position, but I actually, like, really, really um, enjoy this episode. I like being right, first of all, that one Beth had to die for <laughs> the to live. Um... <laughs> and I like that uh, the whole the opening scene with like Mary and Luke trying to smuggle Beth, Alice, like Mary throwing on her like socialite rich girl card. Like, do you know who my father is? Like, that didn't work, but it was a good it was a good effort. Yes, you tried. I also like that Beth and Luke was kind of a thing in this episode. It was unexpected, but I liked it a lot. They're kind of on, like, the same nerd wavelength or whatever. Um, so I thought that their chemistry interaction was kind of a, a cute, it could have been kind of. Um, I really liked the twist of the doctor. Something else we were right about. Because we were like, this man just seems, like, really, really suspicious. Because this is, like, the second or third time that we've seen him. And, like, one of the first times we see him, Mary was going to him for help. And we're like, this dude is weird. And he keeps repeating this, like, that's science fiction kind of thing. <laughs> such a weird thing to say. And we thought it was a mouse. But it turns out it was dead. So we have Caterpillar back in the picture. Um, and also kudos to that like, Anon who pointed it out as well over on yeah. Twitter. She's like, this guy shows up too many times. It can't be a coincidence. <laughs> right. Exactly. So that was a really good, you know, right under your nose kind of twist. And the fact that, you know, Jacob and Sophie thought that he was someone that's going to help. And then they accidentally, like, lead him to Mouse. So it puts Mouse right back into the cage um, with his abusive father. Um, so I thought all of that was really well played out, like the scene in the hospital where he reveals himself to Mouse and kind of, like, Mouse turns back into a mouse of sorts. Um, I guess I like that Mouse defended 
Alice um, and stood up to his dad in a sense. Um, and I feel like, like previously I've said that Alice's backstory just does not seem as deep as it should be to explain who she is. Um, but this one added, this episode added a lot more of a creepy factor to the caterpillar um, and the kind of like psychological impact that he had on both Mouse and Alice. Uh, so I think that was a, a move in the right direction um, to build him into more of the undercover bad. Because I feel like, uh, I also feel like this is a great time and the right time with Crisis as it's season one crossover because I feel like they can do a lot more stuff in their first season. Like having Beth be a doppelganger Beth from a different world is something they can only do because of crisis. Like their season is better for it because I feel like if without that, maybe this whole Alice thing would have stalled out mid season one. So I feel like the, they benefited from having crisis being in their season one and being able to bring in, you know, doppelganger Beth and then to be able to like reintroduce Caterpillar and kind of like add another layer to the big bad storyline that um, just makes it more in depth and complicated. Uh, so that was good. I liked that when it was Kate's choice, we had Brainy's choice, now we have Kate's choice, where she has to choose which sister to save. Uh, that the way that they shot the episode, you don't exactly know who she's decided to give it to and who she's decided to apologize to until the kind of like the very end when Alice kind of realizes that her sister's not there to save her. Um, I like that Catherine is haunting Alice <laughs> and introduced that kind of thing. Like, Alice is, like, really, you know, she's evil. She's done all this stuff. But she's like, my sister will save me. And she was so confident in it, too. Um, right, right. Where she earned that confidence, I have no idea. But she is confident that her sister is going to save her and not the the better version of her that Kate always wished that she had in her life. Um I like, yeah, like the whole like Alice meeting Beth for the first time and Beth be, just being so nice and understanding of, of Alice's situation, even though she was in danger of being Alice. I liked, what else did I like? I don't know, I, like, I just liked all the, the little intricate relationships within the episode um, and the fact that all the characters knew that probably shouldn't tell Kate that there's a choice and that she can't save both because she would have wanted to save both. Um, I do like that Mary... Oh, the the Alice, when Alice goes to Mary for a cure, she's like, you have to help me. It's Hippocratic Oath. And Mary's like, fuck that. <laughs> and that scene where they're fighting because technically Alice would be considered the better fighter and Mary's not a fighter at all. But And Nicole King talked about this on Twitter, the way that they choreograph a fight. It's like a situational fighter, so Mary is not very skilled, so she uses a lot of, like, objects, throwing the phone and using the card, pushing it to kind of uh, help her out, and that's kind of how she was able to get the drop on Alice, which is more of a realistic kind of thing than Mary, like, secretly knowing how to fight. Um, so that was great. Beth and Luke almost had a happy ending. 
at the end of the episode, and then he she died. Um, I guess that like I also, that's another good thing for like the the caterpillar to be introduced in this episode. Um, and him thinking that he killed Alice and Mouse, and now thinking that Alice is dead and all this kind of stuff. Um, it was good that Sophie didn't kill Beth like she was planning to kill on site. She'd kill on um, the fact that Beth still died. I don't know what that means. Assume it was Sophie or not, or if that will cause problems. But I like that Sophie found some restraint because she did not have that before in this episode. But that's going into my dislikes. So go ahead, May. Take it away. The only thing I will say about Sophie's storyline is that she did not have restraint, but it, I guess for lack of a better term, her passion in trying to find Alice and take her down, like, spoke to her loyalty to Jacob and, like, feeling, because she's, like, out of control in her own life, like, she's losing control of her, she lost control of her marriage, she's losing control over the situation of what happened with Jacob, she's losing, like, control over a lot of things, so I feel like this I was the time that... express that yeah. more, because that would made her more understanding than what happened in the episode, but... Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, there's always, like, a lack of something with Sophie, right? Um, but yeah, that's, like, how I took it, even though, yes, she she needed to show some restraint. Um, but I'm happy that she did. And I really like that they reintroduced Caterpillar into the storyline, because we were wondering, like, a couple weeks back, like, when the hell was, like, what happened to him, even? You know, where did he go in their lives? Like, was he going to show up? Is he part of this whole tea party thing? But he's not. But his abandonment of both of them sort of explains... Well, it really explains, like, why they're both so loyal to each other because of, like, Mouse for Mouse. It was like she – Alice is the only person that accepted him for who he was and didn't try to make him something that he's not. Like, his dad worked so hard to try to fix his face and make him out to do this and hide him from the world. So he just felt like, you know, first of all, it was abusive. And second of all, he never really had his dad's approval. Um just as being the person that he was. So it really explains like the depth of their relationship and why they're so, so much on each other's side and willing to like, they're like each other's ride or die, you know, even though Alice is now caught in the middle because she sort of at this point wants to have both Kate and mouse at the same time. (laughs) Um, And that's not really working out for her. Um, And I really, what makes me sad is that, I really liked Beth, you know, so I'm glad that she got to have a lot of screen time with Mary and that Mary was like in on the whole thing and they were trying to help her and her and Luke and her and Kate and all of that good stuff. Um, all those scenes with them together and working together to try to help her out because they wanted her to desperately live because Alice has obviously caused so much trauma um, for everybody in their lives since the very beginning and that was like showcased really well throughout the episode yeah i mean i don't want to like over repeat what jess said but everything you said i agree with (laughs) and it was just like a really solid emotional episode because it was it brought up it re-brought up the fact that um kate was you know her guilt issues over not saving 
Alice on this earth versus like the life she could have had with Beth if she had saved her. But at the same time, she also recognized the fact that Alice is beyond being saved to begin with because she's still like there's such a childlike element to Alice as well. Like she's diabolical and whatnot and she's a great villain. But at the same time, she's still like very much stuck in her childhood trauma. Like she can't get past the fact that she was abandoned. Like, she can't move on whatsoever to even come to an understanding of why, you know, her dad and her sister weren't able to, like, find her and why they thought that she was really gone. So it's just, like, a child in an adult's body, basically. And it's just, like, this episode really drove home that concept because she thought that Kate would basically save her and she didn't. So she's, like, stuck in, like, this loyalty that that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. The moment that she, like, realized that her sister was letting her die. That was... And Ruby, to be fair, did a great job crying. So that was really an emotional scene. It was. It was, it was. And so, yeah, sad how it ended, but it was, like, good tension. hmm Yes. I agree, I agree. I thought um, it was a really well-done episode, um, and I think it's interesting, um, that they had, uh, basically Kate make the right choice very easily. Or not, like, very easily, but much more easily than I would have expected. And clearly that, than Mary expected. And I liked that. I liked first that Mary gave her the choice, um, which <laughs> I was like, oh, wow, that's very noble of you, Mary. If I were Mary, I would have just been like, let me go. Find Beth and give her the care and not even <laughs> fucking let me take this uh, middleman out of the equation. But she gave that that Mary gave her the choice, and and that Kate was like, I'm gonna choose the sister that wants to be my sister, and I'm gonna choose the sister that is a good person and not the one who's trying to kill me and everyone I know. <laughs> Maybe you know, like because you're saving many lives by doing that. Also, I thought that. Um, Ruby Rose and uh, Rachel Scarson, of course. Rachel Scarson always is giving excellent performances. But I thought that Ruby Rose really stepped to the plate in those, you know, quote-unquote final scenes with Alice. I thought that they did a really nice job. They were, like, you know, heart- they were, like, heart-wrenching but also understated. I thought it was really nice. Um, and I, um, I, Beth and Luke were, in fact, very cute. And I'm very sad for... Uh, <laughs> That we were not going to get to build on that, just like we're not going to get to, you know, build on the friendship that Mary and Beth have uh, developed. But I do think that it was, they did a really good job of making us care about Beth and making Beth feel like she could be a permanent addition to the cast. So that when Mouse's dad, when August Cartwright takes her out, it really did feel like a big shock. Plus... Um, while I'm going to agree with the things that we say in the dislikes relating to Sophie's storyline, that moment, like before that, where Sophie is going to shoot her, like I did feel that tension. Like I was like, no, Sophie, please don't do it. Like <laughs> ah, I was concerned it was going to happen. And then she didn't do it. And I was like, oh, thank God. And then I was like, no, what the fuck? So. It was Sophie's choice <laughs> to not shoot <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Yes. So like like I thought that the way that that was that it was done very well, um. So I don't know, um. It was like upsetting. Like I didn't like the result, 
I was mad at the end, but it was the kind of mad that I was like, oh, I'm mad that you tricked me, right? Like, okay, that, that worked out. You, you guys did it well. I'm just mad now. Um, uh, also, the twist with, you know, creepy guy turning out to be August Cartwright, even though, like, like we knew there was something off about him. We knew there was something off about him. When it was revealed, I was still like, oh, snap. Like, it was, it was shocking to me in the moment. And, um, and thankfully now he's finally back in the picture. So that all that, like, backstory and trauma and just even the entirety of Mouse's existence right now makes a little bit more sense, right? Like, we have another big bad outside of Alice. And in fact, he's the one that created Alice in a way. And also it's separating Mouse from Alice. So there's like several prongs now to the dynamics. Uh, which is great. Love that. Um, I, <laughs> um, I don't know what is going on with Jacob really, other than just like, you know, getting shanked in prison. But, uh <laughs> but I do like that Sophie is loyal to Jacob and that we do see how much he trusts Sophie as well. So, we are getting a little bit more of that, like, oh, favorite child thing from the early episodes that we had no idea what was going on with. <laughs> like, why, where did this come from? So that's good. Um, yeah, I think that's I think that that's that on that. Oh, I forgot to add in my likes that I like the conversation about Kate having a soulmate. Oh yeah, other Earth. Yeah, because I feel like and that was finally taking a step towards something that we like have not get in, gotten enough. Look, I, like that. Gotten I didn't like that only because they couldn't follow up on it because she died and Beth died and we yeah. really didn't find out. Like, why bring it up and not even yeah, have yeah, them? It was actually Sophie. Be Sophie and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was. <laughs> I was so, launch yeah. into your or, uh, what did not spark joy then? I was splitting my dislikes. <laughs> Yeah, that probably to start off that one. It's like, why, why bring it up if you're not gonna go anywhere with it? Because it's not, it's not a question that she can answer anymore. Um, because she died. <laughs> but other than that, like I, the whole Jacob getting shanked in prison and being saved by that dude that keeps calling him like a puppy. It was just like, kind of weird and didn't really make sense to me. Um, why this guy would suddenly want to help Jacob, um, unless he's like some kind of like secret agent. Like, Cause I don't know, I don't understand like why he thinks that Jacob is getting out soon or that Jacob could help him get out soon. Um, so it just kind of seems like a random plot twist for convenience sake rather than an actual story there. Um, and then with the whole Sophie storyline, I, I don't know. Like I like like me was saying earlier. I feel like if they explained this is why she was acting the way that she was acting, it would make more sense to me. But it just seems like an abuse of power. And I don't know how the fuck the crows get away with like doing their own police checks and routine stops. Like where are the actual Gotham police? Like why don't they have an issue with the crows like taking over their territory and doing a lot of the stuff which is basically technically illegal like they should not have this much power to be able to you know hold their own police checks raid people's homes and all this kind of stuff so the whole crow started and i thought that people didn't even like the crows anymore because apparently before she died Catherine said that there was a whole big scam 
to like why they still have all this freedom to do whatever they want. Um, and then I feel like with the Sophie part of it, and I think in a non, um, was, they're talking about Luke, but you know how it seems like Supergirl writers write Luke like a white man sometimes, or don't write him from the right. perspective the of a black. Writers. I feel like they, yeah, I feel like they, did I say Batwoman or did I say something else? You said Supergirl writers. So at first I thought you were going to yeah. say <laughs> Batwoman writers. Yes. Um, how the Batwoman writers don't really like write Luke from a black man's perspective and I feel like something similar is happening with Sophie where they don't write her from the perspective of her being a black woman in the decisions that she makes and so sometimes the things that Luke or the things that Sophie does seems like very odd opinions or very odd decisions considering the fact that they are both like minorities and (laughs) especially like Sophie's like a triple minority being like gay black and a woman so um i just wasn't really connecting with her totalitarianism in this episode so it did not spark joy for me i also thought it was like a kind of a cop-out that mary's blood is a universal cure-all like i when alice was like yeah i gave you that desert rose thing and they both had a light bulb moment, but I was like, I don't get it. Like, <laughs> what? What is? What is a light bulb moment? I, I feel, feel like, like it biologically it. did not make any sense. <laughs> and, and, no, and the fact like she just like let me take some of your blood, and I, I know like blood transfusions exist, but it, some something about that didn't seem sanitary to me. <laughs> to just like pop in somebody's blood it didn't really seem very sanitary to me. So yeah, there's a lot of like. Science, speaking of science fiction, there's a lot of science fiction in that Mary Cure All thing. That's it. Okay. <laughs> I, I agree about the Sophie stuff because it, like, as a cop, it was just very, it was like police brutality and, like, you're having a black woman just be all gung-ho about yeah. wanting to shoot someone. I'm like, okay, I guess we're going to go there. Um, so it just didn't sit right and I feel like they just stalled with telling Sophie's story because after the whole breakup with her husband it doesn't seem like they're going anywhere with it like she's yet to really have anybody to talk to even you know like we had um Alice kind of tell us how Sophie was internally feeling but Sophie wasn't telling us how Sophie was feeling you know so it just needs to happen now like I feel like she needs a friend and she doesn't have anybody that she can actually speak to about anything. So it's not cool to have her continue bottling up her emotions and trying to go shoot people just because she's failing at her job. <laughs> yes, that's not good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think what really aggravated me the most about this episode is the the understanding of like how doppelgangers work now that we have Earth Prime because – the rules are not the same across the shows. So, like, Supergirl had win and win, and that was fine. And then um, there, I'm sure there's, like, a bunch of different doppelgangers going around the world in general, like people who have just slipped through the cracks just like Beth did. But we're not really seeing the effects of that on the population. So I don't really understand how or why 
Beth, as soon as Beth showed up, she was starting to have like headaches and only well, one twin yeah. can survive. Like, yeah, I get I that think, they were trying I to go like the. How, so? Like the like two ones are different from Beth and Alice. Because the win is from the future now? Yeah. Mm. But like when they were in their each other's presence for a while, nothing really yeah. happened. You know? Or like at least I would feel better if they just explained why that was the case in this instance. Because like there's probably billions more people now on Earth and I don't know. I just feel like there's more than one pair of doppelgangers running around. Like I get that they wanted to do the whole like traditional there's you ever see your doppelganger one has to die so on and so forth but (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean and plus like well I don't know I guess it depends on like did Wells ever see Wells yeah did Nash ever see the other Wells or was it always all in his head too because then there's another presumably another doppelganger running around so uh. yeah so I don't know like I I guess what I'm trying to say is I didn't like that they brought Beth back just to have her killed off yeah, further the plot, which was not cool, <laughs> um, because it would have been interest more interesting had they st- continued like struggling throughout the rest of the season, and like like we theorized, they could maybe combine, you know, be half and half eventually, like they'd have to become one to move on, um, versus like having Alice continue on her purely evil streak. Um, mm-hmm. So did not like that, and yeah, I don't really care for the Jacob storyline right now because it's not really going anywhere and Jacob's sort of like he doesn't really have a relationship with Kate not really like so far Kate it's has been, not tried to help Kate has not tried once. talking to him yeah, like so she's not like Barry Allen trying to go see her dad every day in jail to talk to him about what's going on like she didn't even tell him that there's a Beth from there's another Beth you know like it's just her problem to solve and she was doing it on her own with Luke and Mary but oh and speaking of Mary I guess I was just confused because now she knows about the multiverse. No, she's drunk, so she just kind of like oh, she was just, she just came up with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like in this episode, if she kept bringing it up, like that's how Beth existed a couple of times, and I was like, wait, did I miss something? I think she was from the multiverse. Mm, okay, but yeah. That's no, it. but I guess Mary, like, explained crisis or whatever when she was drunk. Maybe that's what it was. But, yeah. Yes, she did. So, so that, that was that for you, dear? Indeed. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, like I, you know, said, I was mad that they killed off Beth. So, I am, I was sad about this. <laughs> um. And, and like you said, I think that there was a better way. Like, I think they could have found a way to have them coexist for a while longer. Like, or even if they, like, ended up, like, the only way to do it, because Mary's, Mary's blood still having the antidote, but also only having enough to save one person was super arbitrary. Um, and if the only way was, like, to merge them somehow, right, then that would have been much more interesting. Or even if, like, that wasn't like, we're going to make the choice to merge these two people because it's kind of fucked up. Like, it just happened. Like, they couldn't avoid it. Um, that would have been more interesting. And then to see the struggle of the back and forth, um, for sure. 
or even if um if they if they had made the choice and killed Alice, but then Beth was starting to get Alice's memories, you know, like JJ in the you know what I'm talking about the the pilot that will never happen. <laughs> in the green, green yeah, canary. canary. Yeah, green canary. You know, so then it's like then Beth starts turning into Alice, you know, against her will because she's getting you know the timeline cool. virtually. Yes. Yeah. So like that would have been more interesting and like a longer con of emotion than than this situation. Like I mean, I I get it because now Alice has all the more fire under her because it's like, oh, my sister really didn't choose me this time. Now I have a real reason to be mad, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but but it is still like more of the same trajectory for her. So they kind of got a different one with it. Um, also, yes, at, like, I was saying, I don't know what, Je- what Jacob is doing. I don't know where his storyline is headed. I don't know why it is necessary. Um, uh, so I guess we'll find out. But, okay, dude getting shanked in prison and another dude that wants us out, like, okay, that's fine. It's like, it's like an, it feels like an Oliver repeat, which I think we said last time, and it still feels that way. Um, I totally agree about Sophie. I was uncomfortable with her being the one that was like, yes, we're going to go all out. It's like basically this like weird like stop and frisk situation. And I was like, what is happening? Why are we doing this? Um, and I, 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 I do think that they kind of lack um, awareness of what her position is or would be in real life, which is strange because they did include that in the episode where they talk about her backstory, right? Where she was like, I'm not, it's not the same for me as it is for you. But right. I don't know. I guess they made it more like, because I'm not rich and you are rich. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they don't. <laughs> maybe they don't understand all the nuances. Um, so I was, while I was very glad that she stood down at the end, I didn't think it, it should have taken that long. I feel like from like Luke and Mary getting stopped was probably have been like, well, let's, let's, you know, let's calm down here. <laughs> But oh well. Um, that seems especially dumb that, you know, it because she does have a point, like she is your boss's daughter, so that should have been it. They was like, Oh, go ahead. Yeah, exactly. Like, okay, <laughs> we know you can hype killer that you think bad. Unless unless they're like, Oh, but our boss killed your mom, so maybe you are mad at him and they're going to like you. I don't know. But yeah, that that whole scene, like, while I loved Mary in it, um, I do think that Everyone, everyone else's behavior was very strange. <laughs> but speaking of, you know, Luke, because he was in that scene, when will this man get a storyline? I don't, I feel like he's just there. Like, he's just mm-hmm. like, hey, I am also here. I, the most, the most he's done is that time that he was in the crossover episode and he was like, I'm kind of shirtless and Kara thinks I'm hot. <laughs> Plot. So I would that really like. to be the best. <laughs> Car would not have to lie to him because he knows about Kate, so he would yes. be able to. OTP! Oh my god! Oh, they're on the same earth, so they could just have yes. like a distance, yes. long, sort of long distance relationship, but not that long distance. Yeah, it's just like off screen relationship, but not even long distance. Oh my god, let's make it happen! So, anyway, this is my. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like, she goes to visit Kara and she's like, oh, that's Luke. Mm, still hot, still hot. <laughs> I see it. I see it. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Uh, so yeah, I want this man to have a storyline. I think it's very strange that that he's just kind of like chilling. Um, anyway, um, 
I don't really have anything else to say because I, I really did enjoy the episode, and I think that Batwoman is getting, at the very least, emotionally stronger, even if it does not logically make sense most of the time. But then again, which of them does? <laughs> um, so that's good. Uh, four for you, Batwoman. Do we have any Batwoman feedback, or is everyone just silence? Um, we do have Batwoman feedback from Suara oh. and Celeste. So Celeste says... Um, she thought this episode was good. The whole Beth vs. Alice thing was so well acted. Rachel Scarson continues to play the double roles really well. Beth mentioning Kate had a soulmate on her Earth, and then Sophie and the Crows busted through the doors. Yep, yep, yep. I've connected the dots. Honestly, I knew Beth was going to die and Alice was going to live, but that whole you didn't choose me thing was heartbreaking. I'm really curious on how Alice is going to act towards Kate now, since Kate would have let her die in order for Beth to live. Oh, and that little Batwoman and Sophie scene. Yeah, gave me some Smallville Season 1 West Island vibes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I forgot to mention that, but yes, it was. I like that dynamic and the tension between them, and that and then, eventually it helped Sophie not kill Beth. Then she says, "Finally, Mouse and his father thing didn't really care for it, but the twist that the dad was a surgeon caught me off guard. So it's good twist." Suara. I lie. He didn't have Batwoman feedback. <laughs> Shane, he was just so excited that yeah, was, <laughs> that he I'm might. Fired. Yeah, <laughs> I was excited by the idea that you had feedback for us, and you did not. <laughs> so that's all the feedback for Batwoman. All right. Do we have any predictions for Batwoman? Only wants and desires. <laughs> Would you like to share them? I want. Sophie to have more and I want her to have more scenes with Kate because I feel like she's the only one right now of the main cast who's Aww. left out of all the shenanigans yeah. that are happening. I feel like there's promise for that and the episode that I'm excited about is next week because I think that it would be their, their Valentine's Day episode. Um, I feel like they said this last week. I don't remember but probably did. But just I don't. I guess I'm a little bit confused now about how it ended off in this episode and then next week, she's like, Kate is opening her gay bar. So I feel like oh, there's yeah. like a little. <laughs> I'm wondering where's the connection between grieving her sister and opening the bar. Um, <laughs> That's a good and, point. And introducing like this nocturna, like Valentine's Day blood sucking thing. But I think also in the description for next week's episode, Sophie is trying to distance herself from back. So I think it will be, and also that, like, why maybe she felt that Batwoman has too much of an influence, like, that shoulder touch was too much for her. (laughs) She has too much of an influence. It's too personal right now. (laughs) So um, maybe Sophie will, I guess, maybe if she goes to Kate's gay bar, it will be maybe the first one she'll have been to. Like, as coming out, I guess? Maybe? Oh, I don't know that she's coming out. Like, she'll probably play it off as supporting a friend, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. since it's, like, Kate and Mary's thing. But I have hope that Nocturna will flirt with Sophie or try to get Sophie alone. And especially since in the pictures, like, it's done in front of Kate. I'm hopeful that there will be, like, some, like, Kate, you know, trying to get in the middle of this situation not just because Nocturna is a villain but because she also is a little bit jealous and to be honest like my favorite characters 
is like the ones that are like too cool for school, except when they're in front of their crush yes. and they forget how to function. <laughs> like in the pilot episode where she does this like really badass thing where she saves Sophie and then she can't figure out how to open the door. <laughs> Loved it. That's the only thing I want to talk about for the next like 30 minutes. Um, <laughs> like the bigger the contrast is, the more I love it. So I hope that there's some form of that in next week's episode because that would just be like amazing. <laughs> I support you in this. Now, um, do we have uh, our our uh, lady with gumption nominees? For <sighs> Supergirl, um, I might say Alex. Yeah, standing up to Lex, yeah, leaving the DEO. Yeah, that's a gumption, I guess, to leave the career that she's been in for the past mm-hmm. however many years. Yep. Strike out on her own. But Bob, I guess I guess Kate for choosing making the right choice. She's yes! the right sister. Kate Kate for taking the easy way out and the right way. <laughs> Even if it didn't work out for circumstances beyond her control. Yes. I agree with this. <laughs> All right. So on to side B, which is Holmes and Watson slash lovesick. Starting with The Flash. A girl named Sue, which should have been called when Ralph met Sue, but a girl named Sue is fine. Um, after months of searching for Sue Dearborn, Ralph gets a lead on her whereabouts and finally comes face to face with his missing, missing client through almost no work of his own. However, <laughs> Sue refuses to return home to her family and instead takes Ralph on a daring adventure. That ties back to Black Hole, which is the reason that Iris faces a new challenge in the mirror world, while Barry considers a potentially dangerous request from a trusted source that is Iris because (laughs) of Black Hole. Uh, Chris Pepe, or Pep, directed the episode written by Thomas Pound and Lauren Sherto. Oh, I love you guys. Yay. So, what sparked joy? Uh, three episodes in a row, Flash. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> the we record. live in a new world. The world really was rebooted. <laughs> um, I really like this episode. I was really worried about it. I guess in my head, I was just like, oh, no. Like, we've been talking about Sue for so long. What is her introduction going to be like? But I feel like the actress played it really well. She really embodied the character. It was... This, I feel like 6B has been about just fooling me as I watch as a viewer. And I'm just like, oh, look, everybody's so nice and great. And maybe I'm convinced that all will be well. And then Sue's just like, nope, I'm the one who tricked you. (laughs) So I really like that she sort of played this long game into she had a plan. She showed up in Central City knowing that Ralph was looking for her and then did all these things to gain his trust and then, you know, ripped the rug right out from under him so it was like really clever of her to do that and then playing on like this I guess like the stereotypical woman's innocence that she needs help because you know her boyfriend's after her it was very noir like like what Legends did a couple weeks ago there's just like a woman walks into a man's office and asks for his help because her her man is not being good to her or abusive or whatever and she just like turned that around and was the actual person who was, I don't know, 
I would call it, no, I'm not going to say it. She was the one who was <laughs> messing with Ralph. So it was just really, really interesting. And I really liked her um, as a person. And I feel like that twist made her even more interesting. And I love that it tied back into Black Hole as did Joe and Barry's case that he had him investigating, as did Iris in the mirror gun that she was trying to get. Um, plus, we had Iris inside the mirror, so we got to see like what that relationship was like with her and um, Eva. So it all felt like something was finally coming together with the black hole Um storyline because like it's been building up and building up and you see all these connections so I feel like all the thematic elements tied together really well all the character relationships were finally coming together and I love that all the black hole stuff is sort of centering the women a lot which is great for me yeah <laughs> it is amazing and it like there was never really a dull moment I love that Mirror Iris, like, once we got past last week's episode that we were almost, like, tricked into believing, oh, this Iris isn't really that different. Now we're finally seeing the true differences and that, like, she's very distant from, like, she's drawing away from Barry. She's not acting the same way that she would have otherwise. Like, this version of her is not very affectionate. She clearly has a plan. She's going to execute this plan. And she's going to use iris's emotions against the people that love her to get her way so like she'll go and manipulate barry to try to make him get the cold gun for her or, or the mirror gun or like go to her dad to do the same thing and then she used like nora as an excuse to make nash not be suspicious of her even though he's too worried about being caught himself um so all of that was really, really great, and I love that we can see, like, Candace Patton is just doing an excellent job portraying the differences in the irises. Like, you have mirror iris and then the iris inside the mirror, and, like, you can automatically see the changes and the differences just based on, like, her facial expressions, her smiles, her eyes, everything, like... Iris trying to help Eva, trying to come up with solutions to try to get out of the mirror because she's, like, desperate to get out. And, like, Eva sitting there losing her cool, and Iris is trying to, like, calm her down and figure out ways based on her previous knowledge of, like, Mirror Master and his powers. And it was just, like, all really, really great to watch. Um, and I feel like I keep saying this. I feel like I'm watching a new show. So I'm really enjoying like the storyline unfolding and all the little pieces of um, the plot coming together really well. And the continuation of Barry, like knowing, feeling like something was off of his powers. Like to us, it's just like, oh, he's just dropping these clues, but they're not really big things yet. And it's going to build up to something else moving forward. And I really, really love like the soulmate energy, even though Barry and Iris were not, Barry and Iris as we know them in this episode, but, like, he knew that something was off, and, like, Grant's facial expressions, like, that, there was one scene in the beginning where he, like, sort of smiled, and then his brow furred, and then he's just like, you know, something's yeah, wrong, like, I can't was, put my finger was, like, on it, there's something wrong. For, like, a kiss, when he was, like, yeah. going in for the kiss, and Iris is like, mm. Yeah, and then the <laughs> second time, you can see, like, his, his arm is raised to, like, grab her shoulder, yeah. usually, like, that would be, like, a very huggy West Allen scene, and then she just, like, looks at him and walks away, and like the alarms are sounding off in his head. There's just like something's wrong with this woman right now. This he is not my he wife. Turned to kiss right there, and he's like, "God oh, damn it!" 
Yeah, so it's just like the little things in there that you know that he knows something's wrong. He just can't put his finger on it, and it's going to make him sound like completely insane if he even tries to voice the fact that there's something off because he did that. And Joe completely was just like, yeah, it's just because she's grown. (laughs) And she has, but there's also something wrong. (laughs) I like that um, someone else pointed this out on Twitter, but it's kind of like a reverse gaslighting situation. Like Joe is like unintentionally gaslighting Barry to believe that this Iris (laughs) is his Iris is is like correct when actually Barry is onto something. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's really like interesting to see like those dynamics play out. And and like when he looked at the mirror, knowing like somehow that Iris is on the other side, but then he looked away as yeah. her hand stopped touching the mirror. It was really like, yeah, true soulmate lightning rod energies right there. Yeah. I really, like, I, I swear, I thought I was not going to enjoy this episode because I figured we had two great episodes. You know, this one is centric. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, it's a side character and a new character is the main part of the episode. You know, I'm sure it'll be fine, but you can't win them all. So I was, like, fully prepared to be, like, uh, not disappointed, but just, like, under underwhelmed. And this episode was just, like, really, really solid. I love Sue. Like, Sue is great. And I like the the Sue and Ralph theme song. They have this, like, little spy music in the background whenever they had, like, their scenes together. Um... I I didn't I didn't like really Cecile's part in the episode, but I did like her line where she was like trying to tell Ralph that you know every Holmes needs his Watson because um, I felt like that, that was uh, like holy foreshadowing Batman <laughs> like that was like a really good foreshadow into Sue coming in. Um, I really liked Ralph and Sue's dynamic. Um, I liked the fact that. Sue kept doing all this stuff to aggravate Ralph, which kind of shows how much Ralph has grown since his introduction in season four when he was aggravating one. Um, I like that she was very capable and that she was as quick on her feet as he was. And I think it was, and it was also like something else that, you know, the fact that she was playing him from the beginning, it's like a double, what do you call it? Like a double agent kind of thing because she is a good guy pretending to be a bad guy pretending to be a good guy so there's all these kind of like layers and so like Ralph thinks that he's making this connection with Sue and that he's helping her um, you know he's realizing that this woman would be like partners or whatever and then she like plays for what I'm thinking I guess prediction but like for his own good um, and to thinking that she was never on his side. Now there's this kind of cool tension um, because he thinks that she's this bad guy and that he needs to like go after her and correct his mistake when actually she is a good guy going after black holes. So there's like all these like layers to their relationship. And they, I think that Natalie Dreyfus did a really solid job in introducing her character. Um, and the fact that, even though she is a rich girl, she played off being a rich girl um, to Ralph. And like some of the stuff that she was saying, like horseback riding and going to boarding school and Kyoto, which I was like, Kyoto, ew. (laughs) That's such a white way to say that word. (laughs) But she's like playing like a character within a character. So I really enjoyed um, her and looking forward to 
her story, dovetailing back to Iris' story. Um, I like that all of the stories are seemingly unrelated, but they all go back to the same thing, which is black hole, which is great. Um, it's a consistent theme, which is awesome, and I feel like we haven't had that <laughs> in a yes. long time. So that is beautiful. Thank you, Eric Wallace. Um, Mirror Iris being, you know, I, I agree with you that, you know, the first last week's episode, it was kind of her, she was putting more to be like Iris to not only confuse Barry, but also to confuse the audience. That's what was really going on. But now that we know for sure that she is not our Iris, you can definitely see more clearly the, um, the facade and when she puts it up and when she doesn't. So like every time like Barry, like when she asked for the mirror gun, and Barry is like, you know, no, because I want to be cautious. And then she kind of like the face, the facade like drops a little bit. And then instead of like when he goes in for the kiss, she's like, mm. so it's kind of like really passive aggressive. And then like it's like, I guess you don't agree with me. Like he can, you can tell it in his face. He's like, oh, I'm in trouble a little bit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like it's almost like her calling him Bartholomew at that moment. <laughs> that's how that's how he felt. Um, and then, like, later on, when he tell her, like, that speech about, he was telling her that, you know, I may not trust everybody in the world, but I do trust you. It was a very beautiful West Allen speech that it was once again ruined by the fact that it wasn't actually Iris and that he should be wary of her. Um, but then even in that fact, where she does get what she wants, and then she, like, gives him, like, a kiss on the, on the, on the, on the cheek, like a, like a treat, like, he's like... I'll give you a kiss as a treat, little treat. And then <laughs> <it's> still, <laughs> treat. <laughs> yeah. But she doesn't do anything more than that. Like she like immediately like turns around and like is like smiling or whatever. And so even that, Barry's like, I I did a good thing. I thought I, I earned I learned my lesson. <laughs> yeah. This is where their body language I feel like it was like not to get us. Yeah, this is where their their body language as a couple over the seasons really comes into play because yes. This would have been like the ending of six two, where she just like he holds her and she puts her arms around his neck, and they've got none of that. <laughs> none of that. You get none of that, Barry Allen. Um, the uh, all of those things were were really really nice. And then you have that, you know, on the other side of the mirror, you have actual Iris, who is like, oh, and I also saw this on Twitter. Like someone was saying, like, you mean to tell me that after the way that the last episode ended. Barry and Iris just watch funny videos on their phone on the couch. Like, stop lying to me, watch writers. <laughs> <laughs> I totally agree with that. Like, you know, we see Barry and Iris like laughing on the couch with real Iris looking through the mirror. I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty sure they did not go from that romantic moment to just like being on the couch. So. Right. But <laughs> well, Mirror Iris is clearly not into that, so she's just like probably made up an excuse to just chill on the couch because she's exactly. tired. Exactly. Like, oh, I'm tired. That, yeah, I'm that was weird. I can only watch. <laughs> but I like my where I was going with that with Iris being in the mirror and with Eva. I like seeing more of that relationship. I feel like Eva is like cracked. Like she is just like mm-hmm. all over the place. And so it was interesting to see Iris try to have to like coach Eva when Eva is just like beyond she's been there for six years and no one apparently no one talked to, even though she's like at one point she was like, I don't know why everyone's telling me everything's gonna be all right. I'm like who is telling you this, girl? You've been in here for six years by yourself. Who are you talking to? Like, who's telling you everything's all right? right. <laughs> I thought that was, 
that was like really weird, but it, it kind of lends to the point that Eva is not really all that in touch with reality anymore. Um, so I think that's very interesting situation situation for Iris to be in beyond the mirror. Um, I like that we see more of Mirror Iris's actual plan of her digging into black hole to get the um, and trying to find like the mirror gun because I feel like that is going to come into play a lot with my predictions. Um, I like that. I even like that Joe and Barry's storyline tied in. I thought it was you know I would have liked to see more of Barry, um, but I understand. I feel like between the crisis crossover. And then that he was still filming for 610. And then 611 was a heavy, very Iris episode. So we had a lot to do with that episode. So mm-hmm. 612 was probably the first time that he actually got to have, like, a break after all of that. So I understand why he wasn't in it as much. Um, but I like that the little bit that we did get actually tied back again to the main storyline. Because um, when Joe brought up, please, please look into this case. Don't tell anybody. Only report to me. I was like, "What is going on? Like, is he being so weird?" And then the fact that they, you know, he reveals to Barry later on there might be a mole in the CCPD helping Black Hole. I'm like, "Yes, this is great. Everything is connected." Um, mm-hmm. So all of that was was really really good. Um, Ash and Iris meeting in the Star Archives out out. Star Labs archives and both of them trying to like fool the other as to the real reasons why they're down there. Mm-hmm. I thought was was great. Everything, just about everything in this episode was really, really good. Esperanza <laughs> coming back at the end and like her and Sue knowing each other. Mm-hmm. Great. Mm-hmm. Everything's great. <laughs> Stop talking. Go ahead and talk. <laughs> You're like, everything was great. Everything. <laughs> Good. Yes, and they all lived happily ever after. Um, yes, <laughs> I am very happy with the episode. I definitely think that Flash is on a hot streak. It makes you wonder what in the world they were doing the first half of the season, but I guess having to set up for Crisis and a big storyline that you know that Barry isn't even actually really relevant to can kind of take its toll on your storytelling creativity, maybe. Um, so, I don't know. Whatever they're doing, I hope they keep doing it because these last episodes have been great for me. Um, I love Sue. I thought that Natalie Dreyfus, however you say her name, was an excellent addition. I think she has, she and Ralph have great chemistry, um, and they like fit in naturally together the way that they wrote their characters. Uh, it actually did feel like a little bit of like a, um, procedural like PI episode. Um, so it was fun in that way. And it had, it had a suitable number of twists. Uh, shout out to the Identity Crisis storyline with Loring. Thank God they're not going there. Um, but then it, when it turned out that she actually, that wasn't at, actually her ex, she doesn't have anything to do with him, doesn't know this man at all. She just played Ralph. That was, I was not expecting that. That was great. Um, and like we already said, the fact that she has a connection to Black Hole too, like we're actually finally seeing all the disparate storylines coming together to one central point that actually feels like it might be a relevant bad guy that actually affects Central City at large. There's even a mole in the police force. Unfortunately, over these last six years, we haven't gotten to know any police officers other than Singh, so it won't really matter when one of those is the mole, unless it's Greg, you know who I'm talking about? Friend of Kevin Smith? Brunberg? Dude who shows up every once in a while? He's been, like, once a season? 
Yes and no. Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, anyway, oh, he's been in the flash a couple times. Thing. He's coming back later, so... Well, I'll, he better I'll, not be the mole. <laughs> but, <yeah. no. laughs> but I'm thinking, like, it could be even to the point where it reaches, like, the mayor's office or right. whatever. Right. So it's interesting, like, like it feels like we're going to have a storyline that actually might change something about Central City. It actually might help us get to know Central City as a character, as a city full of people that we want to protect. So that is great. Also, um, even though Barry only had, like, three themes, those scenes took him back to CCPD, where we get to hear about his job as a CSI, and we get to see him working alongside his father-in-law in the job that they have had all this time that we rarely see. So that was great. Um, obviously, I love um, Mirror Iris versus uh, <laughs> Real Iris, like Real Iris trapped in the mirror with Eva, who uh, gave quite a, I mean, she's she's a very frantic person, obviously, because she's been trapped in the mirror for six years. I don't know if I trust her currently, because I'm like, she's definitely a little loopy, but it's possible that it's just the six years of being in the mirror that have made her loopy, and that's why she can no longer be trusted now, or it's possible that she has something else up her sleeve because she's been watching her husband move on from her death, etc. but hasn't been watching her husband running a crime emperor, empire that is Black Hole. I don't know. I don't know about this. So um, I look forward to seeing what it is that she knows and how she and Iris can help each other or not. Um, but I... Like, you know, again, shout out to Candace. She's doing such a good job of making this Iris almost our Iris, but just a little off, right? Just enough that Barry's like, something is wrong here. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Obviously, it can't be that my wife has been replaced by a mirror doppelganger, because that would make no sense. But something is wrong. Um, and I love, I love the scene where she, where she, like, <laughs> gave him the cheek as punishment. And he was like, oh, okay. Um, and then even after, right, when, when she kissed him on the cheek, she was also like, I'm not going to, we're not going to go any further there because I'm not, you know, not really into you like that. Uh, I only like other shards of glass, unfortunately, for you. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I like that. And I loved how, again, you know, like, like you guys were saying, like Joe finally realizes he has a daughter when he ironically does not currently have a daughter. So, well, he has one because Jenna showed up, which is another like. I love that Jenna was there existing, not sucked up by crisis, even though no one acknowledged her, at least. At least she is real still. She like, left her <laughs> to go talk to Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> um, at least she's real. But anyway, so, like, Joe is actually, like, being, like, in a way on Iris' side and, like, understanding where Iris is coming from even though it's not even Iris. But it's great. Um, it's nice to see him actually, you know, see things from her perspective from once. Um, and I loved, I loved the moment when, when Barry told Iris, you know, like, oh, I trust you. So, like, I was like, eh, eh, too bad. <laughs> it's not her. But still, it's a delicious irony on all fronts. And yet... Oh, I was going to mention, I forgot to mention, like, that coupled with the conversation that they had with Ralph about trusting people oh, that yes. you shouldn't trust. Yes. yes. You're all like, uh-huh. yeah. Connected the dots. Sorry. Yes. Um, the irony, delicious irony. Um, so yeah, but at the same time, we still have, like, that moment where he looks into the mirror and he, like, senses, he can sense that something, you know, like, Iris is on the other side of it. So they still have that connection. Yeah. Plus, he's feeling like something's off his power, something's off his speed force, and it's been it's ever since crisis. Yeah, right. but it's also because he doesn't have his lightning rod. 
his lightning rod's in the mirror. So yeah, um, I'm, I'm I'm hoping that we're gonna that's gonna come to fruition because I, I I don't want like the long drawn out angst afterwards of like you didn't know it was me you were with someone else, <laughs> which is why it's great that uh, this Iris does not want to give it to him because then we don't have to worry about that. <laughs> He's not getting anything. <laughs> So, um, anyway, um, I love, I loved, uh, how, I I loved how Esperanza was brought back into it. Like I said, everything is connecting back to Black Mirror and Black Hole, Black Hole, not Black Mirror. (laughs) It feels like Black Mirror because those mirrors in Black Hole. Okay. But everything's connecting back to Black Hole and how it puts Sue in a position to come back for that storyline but also we don't know where things are going to stand with her and Ralph. So it also, it also makes her kind of like, um, not, not exactly like Ralph because Ralph is more like he's too incompetent to be part of the team, but it's like, can this person, can we really work with this person? Can this person be part of our team eventually? Right. We can't really trust them right now, but eventually we're going to have to. So it'll be like an interesting trajectory more than just the like, hello, I have shown up for one episode and I did a thing and now I am on the team. (laughs) Like most of the other characters have been. (laughs) um so yeah it'll it'll be interesting push and pull for all of them um um what else what else i I even like i like the scene with iris and nash uh where nash was like seeing harry because it, it, it was interesting to see how um like to to know that he was actually like seeing harry harry's not really there um and also that because he was so distracted by his own lies, he couldn't see through Iris's lies, right? Even though he's like, no, he's not Sherlock. I've literally forgotten what what uh, what Wells were on, so I don't know that he's a good detective. But at the very least, he's like a researcher person, right? He knows shit about it, so he should be more observant than he was. But he couldn't in that moment because he's too busy with his psychotic break. So I was actually, for the first time ever, interested in what Nash was doing. Like, I was like, why does Nash need the journal? Like, why does he feel guilty? And getting the journal keeps him away from Allegro, so there you go. There you go. Also <laughs> that. Also that. Um, so, yeah, and I loved that uh, Iris, not Iris, but, you know, Mirror Iris, used Nora as her as her way in. Like, oh, I lost the, I lost Nora's Which is kind of funny since. Nash doesn't even know about Nora. Like, he doesn't care. Right. He doesn't, he's like, yeah, sure, Nora. Totally. Um, but, yeah, but I was like, that's so cold. Oh, my God. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I liked everything as well. Everything in the episode was good. I don't know what I didn't like. I guess we'll find out when we get to the next part. So, speaking of, what did not spark joy? <laughs> Only, like, most of it's just really confusion. Not really a massive dislike, but more of a nitpick. Um Cecile, we know Cecile can obviously sense people's emotions or whatever. So I wondered why she didn't sense that there was something off with um, Sue. Like, she's like, oh, you guys are clicking. I guess she was, like, super excited that her Ralph finally has found his his own lightning rod. She's like, oh, my God, I want you. She's just like a matchmaker trying to put people together all the time. So she was maybe, I don't know, maybe she Heart was, first. you know too into that to sense anything else but that just struck me as odd considering like how you know she usually is when it comes to people's not so happy feelings sometimes um because i feel like sue wouldn't know that she's a meta so there's no reason to hide what she's thinking um but yeah and yeah i mean the 
again, not a, not even a dislike. I'm just so confused by like like this is Iris, and it's apparently a duplicate of Iris. But also, there's a lot of differences, so she's not like an exact duplicate of Iris. So I'm like very confused about what and how she was created, and whether like who who created her and why. Eva doesn't have her own mirror version. All these questions that I'm sure will be answered at some point, but it's good frustration to have. Yes, yes. <laughs> but yeah, other than that, I can't really think of anything major that I would that I disliked. Wow. Yeah, I would, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's surprising, <laughs> right? Because I thought this was going to be like the filler episode that I just had to like get through, but it wasn't. I feel like I like the only thing, the only character that did really neat because I feel like every character in this episode had like a, a nice purpose so they didn't include anybody that didn't need to be to just like fill up space <laughs> <laughs> I, I seriously like I didn't really miss Killer Frost not being in the episode I didn't really miss Cisco not being in the until Nash like specifically pointed out that Cisco wasn't in the episode and I was like oh yeah he's not in the episode <laughs> but everybody else had like a part to play except for Cecile a little bit like I feel like the only thing that we really needed her for was the foreshadowing in the beginning where she's like you need a Watson and that could have been it um, but I feel like <laughs> I was kind of like a, a little bit not annoyed but that's probably too strong of an emotion but I didn't understand like why the whole jitters coffee scene and why she had to like be nosy and rouse like relationships <laughs> um it's like come on girl it's like you can read minds but you can't read a room like they're obviously doing something say say goodbye um but i just i did you, i do agree that it's odd that she is a mind reading meta and she couldn't but she couldn't tell what was off about sue or that sue was using ralph to get what she wanted um when we had like an anon say like you know it wouldn't make sense if Cecile was around Iris and couldn't tell if something was off with Iris but I guess that it, it probably could happen because she couldn't tell it was off with Sue so I don't know it just seemed like a it's it's a, more of a nitpick but it did seem odd that um character with the power to tell whether someone was being distrustful couldn't tell that someone was being distressful. So, could have done without that scene. Yeah. I I think that that would probably be the one I would attack as well. Um, mostly because, like, well, like you guys said, like, it doesn't make sense that she can't read Sue's emotions and that Sue's emotions are something like, I am lying to this person. But also that I, it wasn't necessary. I didn't need Cecile to come in and say, Hey, you two are perfect for each other. Yeah, like, duh. Um, I it, it, it takes away from the like. It makes me feel like something is forced when it wasn't forced before that. You know, I was like, I can tell that they're perfect for each other. Thank you. We all know. <laughs> you don't need to come in and say this is your OTP. Um, if anything, and and it created that problem of why can't Sue read or why can't um, Cecile read Sue's mind just so that they could come in and force the ship that we already were expecting and excited for and ready to happen. So yeah. it was just dumb. Um, if they wanted to have Cecile there, even though, like you said, she already was going to collect her check from the opening scene, 
she could have just been walking by with a baby and been like, oh, my God, Ralph got a girlfriend? And they'd be like, oh, no, actually, this is Sue. Oh. And then walk off. Done. Yeah. Uh-huh. Whatever. But <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so um, aside from that, if there's anything that I don't like, um, I mean, I feel, did they say where Killer Frost was? It doesn't matter, but I feel like they could have mentioned where she was. She just wasn't in the episode, which is, you know, that that's not a dislike. But not mentioning where she was when they came up with a whole fake storyline for Cisco to be gone for a while seems kind of weird. Like, they're like, hmm, no one's going to notice. It I guess matter. this is just, like, one episode. They'll just do, like, what they did to Cisco in season five and just be like, yeah, she's gone. <laughs> yeah, make whatever. up your own reasons for why that is. <laughs> Use your imagination. <laughs> she's off living yeah. her life. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, she's finally doing one of those things on the bucket list. Yes. That she's, was the reason why she became Taylor Frost in the first place. Or the reason why Frost took over the body in the uh-huh. first place. Anyway, I don't know. Outside of that, I'm like, mm, mm, is there anything else? Just that I, I just want, you know, I just want to get, I just want to know what happens next in the Iris storyline. So I don't like that. I have to wait. Is that a dislike? <laughs> All right. Do we have feedback? Yes, of course. For the Flash, always. We better. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we had feedback from Paulina, Suara, and... Sion, and I think it's less. Yes. So everybody. <laughs> so first up, we have Paulina, and she says, I hope you're doing well. Got some big accounting qualifications coming up next week, so I probably won't be able to send in feedback for either Flash or Black Lightning. No! I was that both CGI gorillas are coming back. That's probably a good thing. CGI gorillas on Black Lightning? Who was on Black Lightning? That was a CGI gorilla. I think no, she's talking about Flash. Grod, yeah. Gorilla Grodd. I don't know who the other one is, though. Solovar? Is he coming back, too? Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Markovia has a gorilla, too. He was talking about Flash and Black Lightning. I was like, who was a gorilla on Black Lightning? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> what anyway. has the ASA been doing? <laughs> On The Flash this week, she says, I like Sue. At first, I kind of rolled my eyes at what I saw as another white woman who is just amazing at everything. She's kick, she kicks ass. She went to MIT. She's a master at pretty much everything. Their reverse has a tendency to write white women this way because too many men don't want to write women as three-dimensional characters. And so it's easy to introduce trauma for women of color and constantly praise white women. But I think the, plis, the twist of her playing Ralph, stealing the diamond, and the bonus scene revealing that she's either working for Carver or is trying to play him as well, uh, maybe she's an independent contractor for all of the crimes she needed committed, made up for it because it gave her much needed depth. I also enjoyed Natalie Dreyfus's portrayal of her. I think Eva is manipulating Iris, and I think Mirror Iris is working for Eva, hence why she needs the mirror gun, because she's going to use it to get Eva out. I'm going to go out on a limb. This is my prediction as well. Yeah. So thank yeah. you for stealing my thunder, Paulina. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> so, um... She also says that the final Wes Allen scene with peak soulmate excellence, Barry sensing something with the mirror, and the way he becomes even more attentive when she raises her hand to the mirror. And it's only when the mirror is no longer transparent that the feeling he gets goes away. Beautiful. Now I just need to find need him to find out. Um, so she also has a theory that she doesn't think it's going to happen, but because while I have really enjoyed these three episodes, I still know what show I'm watching. So here it is. 
I would love it if Barry was able to connect with Iris while under whatever control God had him to realize that Iris is trapped and mirror Iris is an imposter. Also, I really hope that he, when he finds out, he doesn't do the whole typical confrontation with mirror Iris that he tends to do and plays along to get her to use <coughs> Bless me. Bless and that he uses her to get his Iris back. Um, minimal Star Lab, so let's keep this energy. Oh, yes. You and Ralph have good chemistry. And I do like a good enemies to lovers arc, so I'm definitely curious to see how this goes. <coughs> Bless me. And then uh, finally, Barry is obviously starting to notice that something is going on with the powers. I think Black Hole is manipulating the ship, siphoning the speed force. Hence all the random god speeds, and that's affecting both Wally and Barry. Truly hope that they tie in Barry and not having his lightning rod with him to the story as well, though. But Pauline's got all kinds of predictions. So um, she has more feedback, but that'll be just included in Tumblr. Moving on to Suara. Suara says Flash was overall very good. Getting substantive storylines for both real Iris and mirror Iris is great. I liked Iris figuring out how to get out of the mirror world with Eva, although I felt the story risked falling into the support white woman trope. Y'all can talk about that much better than me. Mirror Iris making moves in the real world is very intriguing, and I can't wait to see where the storyline goes for both Irises. I also love Sue. While I thought that I would dislike Ralph's storyline interrupting Irises, they actually worked really, really together really, really well. I love how it all tied together at the end. So what did y'all think? What do y'all think about, like, as far as, you know, the whole... Iris supporting, lifting up Sue was like the support white white woman's trope thing. Iris lifting up Sue? Not Sue, sorry, Eva. Oh. Um, I had a sort of like a first inkling, but I was like, it's probably just one episode, because I was thinking back to the description of Eva and how they're going to form an alliance or whatever, so I feel like this was just a one-off thing. That now that she knows that she has powers, Iris won't necessarily be cheering her on or anything like that and moving on into the future. Plus, it's forgivable in the sense that, like, Eva's been trapped there for six years. So, like, she needs someone to let her know that, yes, you can possibly get back to the outside world because I'm not going to accept me being here. (laughs) I feel like, yeah, in this situation, like, Eva is clearly cracked. So it wasn't so much of, like, Iris supporting having to, like, lift up this white woman to to do something that she should know how to do because Eva has been here for six years and has not figured out how to get get out already with all of her degrees and stuff. So I I guess I didn't didn't feel it leaning that much into it. Plus she came up with some of the stuff to help them get out to begin with, so... Yeah, I feel like it was more like Iris is taking charge. Like, I need you to get your shit together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and let's figure out how to get out of here. Shyong, her flash feedback, says, We're back with another episode of The Flash. I enjoyed most of the episode. It gave us more crumbs, but to be honest, I still don't know what the hell is going on. And it's awesome. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. It's awesome. Um, I like the change, whereas before the we are just waiting on the characters to figure it out. Now we're just as lost as the characters, so we can't get frustrated that the characters haven't figured shit out. Because we still haven't figured Speaking of which, can people just cut my voice and slack? Why would Barry just automatically assume that uh, already laid down the groundwork last episode where Mirror Iris has Barry believing that these changes are due to what went on with Chris's? Mm-hmm. We see Iris making Barry feel guilty for not being supportive and having him spaz out 
of, about them growing apart. He knows something is off. He feels their disconnect, but how is he supposed to make the giant leap into believing his iris got snatched up and replaced with the mirror iris with no frame of reference to get him there? I liked Sue, and I liked her and Ralph's chemistry. They're cute and fun together. I personally didn't pick up on any romantic chemistry, even though there were some hints in this episode that I guess is supposed to, I was thinking that along those lines, since it's supposed to happen eventually, being that they're a couple in comics, but I didn't get that type of connection from them during this episode. So I guess Shione is, is the person that Cecile <laughs> was in the coffee shop for to tell, to tell them that... <laughs> This is a yeah. I bet that just made it worse, though. <laughs> Be honest, Shion. When you're like, no, it's not true. <laughs> Season six has been telling us enough that, you know, they're the OTP for that ship. <laughs> um, she says, like I said, they were cute and will suit the girl on me. I like that she was a badass in her own right, and then we learned that she has her own agenda regarding Black Hole. Um, mirror world stuff is still confusing. Like, why are there no other people? Why did Iris get pulled in? I'll start by saying that I don't trust anything Eva's saying right now. She's acting all innocent, but she's been watching her shady-ass husband all these years, and she knows what the hell is going on to some degree. Um, she should also know about Iris since she's been a thorn in her husband's side to the point that he wanted her killed. Maybe she's working with her husband to get the mirror gun back for whatever they have planned. Regardless, she's supposedly been isolated for six years. That does something to a person. That leads me to believe... That leads me to Mirror Iris. What's her agenda? She's Iris, but she's not. Is she unknowingly controlling, being controlling unknowingly by Black Hole? Um, they've always, Barry and I have always communicated with each other, but she is, Mirror Iris is just shutting him out. Really intrigued by what she wants with that gun. Um, skipping down, Nash and Harry and his visions, not quite sure where that's going. Um, and she can't finish her feedback without talking about the West Island scene at the end. See, everyone, they are showing us how strong the connection is that Barry can sense Iris' presence, even from another dimension. That scene cannot be understated. That's some powerful shit right there. So rest assured, the show is demonstrating their amazing chemistry and connection. And her prediction, um, no, skip that. So all of that feedback will, again, her, her feedback in full be on Tumblr. And then uh, Celeste. Celeste says, this is another episode I've been entertained by. It's been a while since I've been in, so interested in almost every plot in multiple episodes. Sue's intro was nice. I did feel like they made some of her scenes a little dramatic, but it was still good. Oh, baby Jenna is alive. She has awakened from her season half-long nap. Don't know if I can trust you yet because she seems suspicious. But I like the way that Candace and Ephrat bounce off of each other, and their scenes are really enjoyable. Mirror Iris dodging all Barry's kisses like that was bound to spark some confusion. He's not used to the lack of affection. Um, Mirror Iris is very manipulative and good at getting what she wants, so I'm interested in seeing what she wants with the mirror gun. Lastly, Barry sensing Iris through the mirror. That's some soulmate shit right there. And Iris says, I'm still with you, gives me. I just wish I could touch your hand again vibes. Yeah, I'm interested in seeing how this plays out. And she gives the flash eight eight point five out of ten. Oh, nicely done. I approve. So, um, with that said, do we want to go into our predictions? Indeed. I think it's all. Jess can go first. <laughs> well, my prediction is pretty much in line with Paulina's because at first, like, I know that May and Tatia didn't trust her off the bat, but I was just like, she's just cracked, y'all. Like, she's, she's crazy. <laughs> she's been here for six years, a thousand-something days by herself. But the more I think about it, like, 
the fact that Mir Iris clearly is going after the Mir gun and the fact that Effort not Effort <laughs> the fact that Eva has had these powers like mm-hmm. when they the, when the mirror broke and they thought that was it the fact that she was able to manipulate the mirror back into place the kind of the kind of set, and she started just like walking out of the mirror like what's, what's keeping her there and then the fact that you know we know like Iris didn't just fall into the mirror she got pulled into the mirror so I don't know if, if even knows that she's the one that pulled Iris in, if that's part of her, like, crackedness, that she just doesn't realize some of the stuff that she's doing. Or if, like, uh, Mirror Iris is just, like, one of those unconscious things that Eva, like, projected out. Um, but it does seem like it's connected. And I definitely think that Mirror Iris's goal in getting the mirror gun has something to do with getting Eva out of the mirror. Um and I think that's also why we haven't seen, like, a Mirror Eva yet or there that there isn't one and that people think that she's dead. Because I, I wonder if part of it is her doing stuff, like, unconsciously. Like, her manipulating the mirror was unconscious. She didn't know that she could do it before. So I also wonder if, like, in her, like, fever – because I doubt no one has been in that room since she fell into that mirror. So – if Iris was someone, the first person to, like, be on the other side of the mirror, I wonder if, like, in her, like, crackedness that she pulled Iris in and just, like, forgot that she did it or something like that. So I don't know that she's necessarily completely evil or being evil with intention, but I think that her time in the mirror and how that has cracked her is making her not only seem suspicious but do suspicious things without necessarily doing them with intention. Yeah, I, yeah, mm-hmm. I agree that I don't think she's like a hundred percent bad or anything like that because number one, she could have been like watching her husband for a while, but the mirror was covered with a sheet, so without you know with the sheet on, she can't see anything anymore anyway. So like she's completely cut off. So her pulling Iris in could have been just like a reaction. I still don't trust her completely until we find out more, but it does seem like. Like, I don't know if the alliance thing is with her and Iris or with her and Mirror Iris. Because, like, before that, when the casting announcement was announced, we didn't know that there was going to be a duplicate. <laughs> so, yeah. it's just, like, very confusing right now as to what's going to happen. But I I don't know who said it. I think it was Shy who said that, Shy or Paulina, that they hope that the, um, like, Barry senses something with the whole Grodd psychic link thing. Because I feel oh, like yeah. that would be a nice callback to, like, 121. Um, anyway, so that'd be like a nice link for that. But my, so I distrust Eva, but I don't think she's wholly bad either. But my prediction is actually regarding Sue. So like a while back when, um, Barry and Ralph infiltrated that black hole reception party criminal dealing, um, there was that lady there and we saw that ultraviolet showed up. As well, and now that we know mm-hmm. that she's been tracking Sue, right? Yeah, that could come back into play because now that at first I was like, okay, that makes no sense anymore because Sue is who she says she is, but then she's not who she says she is, and she seems to have a good amount of technology at her disposal. Right. So she could have some sort of thing, like she could have been there, and that's why Ultraviolet was there. So yeah, I remember with the, I think I feel like we talked about that during that episode because mm-hmm. it was like she. That one girl. She was staring too long and yes, like at she was Ralph and whatever. Long. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that could come back into play. 
And I would be really excited because that means I would be right. <laughs> Speaking of like Barry and Iris and like the whole lightning on thing, I feel like we went back and forth on whether it was the death of the Speed Force with Barry's connection to the powers or with like Iris. And I feel like it could be a combination of both because I feel mm-hmm. like it was like foreshadowing in the trailer where, you know, he had that connection with Iris in the mirror and not realizing it. And then in the trailer for next week, it's like, he literally says, it feels like a piece of me is like missing. I'm like, look, connections, connecting the dots. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> especially like, especially now that everything in this episode connected to black hole, it can't yeah. just be like the death yeah. of the speed force is dying on its I, own. There has to be a reason. And yeah, part of like that could that, be Iris. That was part, also part of like Paulina's theory. That was like my theory. Like we were the mm-hmm. same person. About it being <laughs> about like the death of the Speed Force being connected to to Black Hole because it makes sense with like the oh. fake Godspeed and everything. Yeah. So like sense. they're siphoning sense. off on like one one front and then, but also so that's something that's affecting Barry. But also the fact that Iris is also been removed from Barry's life that is making it kind of really really weird for him. Yeah. Yeah, because before it wasn't, like, it was acting out, but now it's just, like, getting to the point where he can't, like, he's sore, he can't run without getting tired, so it's, like, getting worse. It's deteriorating. (laughs) Right. Tati? I don't, I mean, I don't have any different (laughs) predictions, like I said. It's already, (laughs) it is also that. So, So, yes, I hope that we are right. Mostly, I don't know, just because I feel like, Iris, someone had to pull Iris in, right? Right. It has the powers. It's not going to be Sam Scudder. Comic book-wise, there's only two um, Mirror Masters. So we have both of them. So it makes sense for Eva to be the one behind the, the situation or the one, you know. Even if it's, like, somehow unconsciously or subconsciously that she's been doing this, she still has to be the one, like, controlling things. I did we discuss this already? I don't remember. Am I am I alone in the world? Am I the only person that heard this? Didn't Eva say something like, "I'm tired of people telling me things are going to be okay"? Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. I said okay. that. Yeah. Okay, you did. You did. How okay. it didn't make sense because she's been alone. Yeah. For yeah. Because oh, I was like, "You've been alone for six years. No one's told you shit." So that makes me think that there's someone has told her something. You know, maybe there has yeah. been other. Like maybe she didn't pull Iris in. I mean, obviously, like she Iris, Iris wasn't in. like the first person. She exactly. Pulled in. Exactly. Like, she may have pulled in Iris specifically because Iris was going against Carver, but Iris is not necessarily the first person she's pulled in. So she may have pulled in other people just to get help, right? And then they did not work out, and then she got frustrated, and stabbed them with some fucking weird <laughs> or something. I don't know, you know? <laughs> like, and there's also got to be... Do you remember, do you remember, like, earlier in the beginning of the season, how Iris got on the black hole agenda in the first place? Like, who brought it up to her attention? It was Ralph. I feel like that Ralph brought up Black Hole. He brought that story to her from where? He brought that story to her because no, he I said he was... figured it out. He found some information after the he and Barry went to that event. But, but before that, it, it was Ultra Violet. Esperanza was the reason. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's Esperanza. Yeah. Because Esperanza was working for them. Like, yeah. Allegra was like, my cousin is, you know, part of this gang. Okay. <laughs> and the gang yeah, is Black Hole. I was wondering, like, how far back like, if Eva had, like, un- unknowingly, to get Iris to that point where she's in front of the mirror, if there is any kind of, like, clues, like, going back into the beginning of the season, that this crumb was put in Iris's 
direction, like line of sight specifically to get right. her. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think her husband has something to do with it too. But sure. I was going to say, I forgot about the Eternium, which could still come up at some point because I haven't explored that. I mean, yeah, I guess like one thing could be like the Eternium could be the reason why Iris has a, a doppelganger mm. and Eva doesn't, for example. Like, because that's why I think that either Eva made the doppelganger, right? Of Iris, because mm-hmm. otherwise, why isn't there one of her just also there? Or the Eternium is the reason. And so it's actually like the Eternium that is, you know, combined with the mirrorness. And that's why we have another Iris. So it's still like Iris. Yeah. I also find it interesting that the only like outside visions that they get in the mirror world is of like Barry and like in the West Island loft. Like, why is that? Why does the mirror keep showing Iris Barry? Is it because the mirror likes Iris and wants to have that connection? Or is like. Eva randomly showing, like, I don't know. I, I would have to imagine weird. that the mirror shows you what you want to see. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I'm guessing. Well, I'm guessing she has never wanted to see anything for, like. Well, no, she has, ever? though. Because, like, remember, she okay. was watching. She said she watched her okay. husband warn her and then move on. So I'm guessing, like, she got tired of watching her husband. <laughs> she was like, no more looking at the mirror. I don't want to see him with this other woman. <laughs> and then, and now Iris is there. So now Iris is looking at her, at her man. Plus, okay. if Eva showed what her husband was up to, I'm sure that her husband would be up to black hole things. Because, again, it's super suspicious that she does. she's not like, yeah, I saw my husband move on and also become the overlord of a criminal enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> right. So, um, with that in mind, <laughs> we can now move on to Legends. Oh I think we, we still out. have one more. Exactly. Show. We flash. We yeah. talk flash so long that I like forget that there's more, and I'm like, wait, right? What? I want to go see Emma, y'all. God. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> Legends of Tomorrow. Um, I just learned the episode was called Ahead of Her Time, which is hilarious. <laughs> when the captain's away, the rave writer will play. Uh, Sarah is called away on business to the land of off-screen and leaves Ava in charge. Ava tries to impress the team as they take on their latest encore, Marie Antoinette, who inexplicably looks like Nora. Um, but with Zari still on the ship, Sehrad convinces the team to bring her along on the mission, and they all quickly learn that was a mistake. Meanwhile, Constantine finally confronts uh, Astra's mom with the help of Charlie and Gary, who did not get a mention in this episode description, which leads him on a journey through his past. Uh, Courtney Ford, nope, just kidding, Avi Yuabian directed the episode written by Morgan Faust, Faust, which is a great last name, because that's the deal with yes. the which is what, yes. yep, for this episode. <laughs> All right, so, what sparked joy? I actually, I really love this episode. This might be the first, my first favorite episode of this season. Because I feel like the others were fine, but I really enjoyed this one on all levels and all stories in it. I liked the Marie Antoinette story. I thought it was super fun, um, especially how Zari played into it. I love this Zari. I feel like all of her little one-liners, like after she has like the conversation with Ava, and she's like, Bear, can you tell like Gideon, like your little computer thingy, to give me some water because my throat is so dry after that parched conversation. Or she's like, my throat is so parched after that dry that conversation. That was amazing. I thought that was like hilarious. Um, all of her just like dry sarcasticness was great throughout the episode. Um, her calling Ava Captain Pantsuit and just in general, she's just like perfect. This whole episode. Um, I 
love that, you know, Zari's, like, Ava thought that she was going to be, like, a liability, but actually Zari turned out to be, like, the MVP of the Legends team in the fact that she understood um, how to get into the party. Like, she played off of her celebrity in the real world to fake her way into, like, Marie Antoinette's inner circle and um, the fact that her dragoness perfume came into play in an unexpected way because she and Ava weren't affected because they couldn't smell anything due to the perfume. Um, at first, I just thought it was because the others were men. And so, like, like obviously, like, Marie Antoinette's perfume was, like, you know, seducing the men because men are just, like, dumb. <laughs> but it was actually the perfume. Yeah, yeah, it was actually the perfume. So I thought that was really good. I thought that Ava and um, Zari's you know, butting heads in the beginning kind of worked really well together. And the fact that at the end of the episode, they kind of became like friends on a friendship level. Um, I love that. Um, I even thought like, Ava was like pretty funny. Like it was, Sarah was gone because Katie was going to direct like the next episode. So she's missed a lot of that and whatever, you know, undisclosed business she had in Star City. She used to get her off the ship. Um, I like that Ava in trying, she's like trying to like, I'm a cool mom kind of like, Captain, like her approach to it, she wanted to be like cool because she knows that she's like a little bit stuck up, um, or uptight rather. And her aloha method, um, of how I do stuff at the time bureau. And I actually like the Hrads, uh, like comparison to like the fox and the hedgehog because I thought that was like really interesting. Like the fox adapts to all the kind of situations, and the hedgehog is like really kind of stubborn and stuck in one way, and how that, um, was comparing how the legends operate versus how the time bureau operates. And they weren't really into the Aloha method in the beginning, but towards the end of the episode, it's the Aloha method that they actually pulls together and actually works for them to defeat um, the perfume thing. I like that Marie Antoinette looked like Nora because it gave Courtney Ford a different character to play. And I also like how they incorporated that into the storyline with Ray being like, entranced by her and like showing off to normally look this person looks just like you kind of thing which is really 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 cool um and then on like the other side i I really enjoyed even john constantine and charlie's storyline in the in the house i feel like this is finally opening up to something that what we should have gotten more of last week like i said even those scenes last week could have just been incorporated into this week's episode and it would have been like a full out story um i was right, right again because i was like i was i didn't even surprise myself that i was right because like last week i was like i wonder if constantine and nash's mom had like a thing but i didn't want to like i didn't want to like throw it out there into the universe and i wasn't sure but it turns out that i was right and they did have a thing so i like that i was right again um and galaxy brain. Like, yes, my galaxy brain was on point last week. Um, and I like seeing that story unfold and how John kept trying to like run from the truth. And Natalie's ghost is like, you're not going to run from this. Um, and how that kind of revealed the story about like the womb of fate and how that connected back to Charlie and the fact that the reason why Charlie just yeeted off in the first episode is because Natalie called her to John Constantine's house and that's why she's there so that makes sense like we have a reason now for Charlie being where she is um and the fact that John kind of like turns his 
situation on Charlie. The like the, like Charlie, um, we get kind of a little bit more of a, her backstory and her connection to Luma Fate. So I feel like now, like her story is actually beginning as well. And I feel like that's kind of maybe what I liked a lot about the episode is that it feels like we're finally moving. Like this is like the the precipice of like going on to the rest of the story and like opening up the story for the season. So I really really enjoyed a lot of that. Yes. I liked everything about this episode, pretty much. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, isn't that a nice feeling? I yes, liked a lot of this episode. I thought it was hilarious that, first of all, even though Mick wasn't really a big part of this episode, which is fine, but <laughs> he thought that his, you know, having a crush on the girl <laughs> high school was him contracting an STD. <laughs> I thought it was Hilarious, it feels like he's getting a story again, even though he really wasn't in the episode. It does feel like he's getting something. Yeah, know. yeah, because I feel like he's been on the show for so long, and he has also been the character who has experienced the least amount of growth. So this is good for him. He can finally have some emotion, and perhaps that will help him explore his character more. So that was great, and that was funny. And, I, yeah, I also liked the whole Marie Antoinette and the fact that, like, this play on she was a terrible person, but also the fact that, like, she's like, oh, well, I came to this country and I didn't know anybody, and, you know, I had to just yeah. try to fit in. <laughs> that was the so, thing, because it was, like, such a parallel to Zari, too. I mm -hmm. forgot to mention that, but I really liked that conversation between them. Yeah, so she got, had to keep the party going, because otherwise she would just feel, like, super lonely and, and whatnot. So, yeah, it definitely paralleled Zari's situation, and the like, Courtney Ford apologized for her French accent, but I thought it was fun. <laughs> I can't speak to the French accent and how accurate it was, <laughs> but it was great. Uh, like, the way, because it was very theatrical, you know, she was just enjoying, you could tell that she was really yeah. enjoying playing this character, and it was really good for her, even though it made no sense that she was actually Marie. <laughs> <laughs> but it worked. Um, so that was really fun. And I actually really like not to repeat a lot of what Jess said because I liked all the same things. But to add on to that, I really was impressed by the way that they had Zari and Ava interact. Like, I didn't expect them to be friends. And I was so caught off guard. But I was like, oh, this really works out. It's it's strange. And you wouldn't think that these two would, like, get along like that. But I like that they, like, it started off by Ava not really trusting Zari. And then it kind of went into that they sort of have this opposites attract type of friendship where like one is super serious and Zari's just like no you gotta live your life and this is how you get into a party and you should wear this and that so they sort of bounce off of each other really well and it um turned into like a nice blossoming potential friendship and I really like that and that they got to bond because I feel like before now that now that Zari's on the team she has to start like developing relationships with everybody on the team so that she could stick around. So I feel like it was really great that they started with her and Ava and then hopefully it'll go on to other characters as well. And and, and that they're not focusing so much on her and Nate, even though he's yes. like the one that sort of remembers that she's, mm -hmm. you know, another Zari. I think it was funny that he knocked out some more money. <laughs> I thought that was funny. <laughs> he's like, are you Zari's boyfriend? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah, I love that. I love the the whole kind of like mocking Hollywood. They're just like, yeah, this is a PR relationship, so he's gonna call his agent to ask for a divorce. <laughs> so that was really fun. <laughs> like it's all for show, but you know, behind that there is also like Zari's a real person with real feelings. So that's it was really nice to see all that. Plus, like it was fun to see her help and then also fuck up because she wanted to see her future. And obviously, when that happens, you just know that things are gonna go wrong because. That never works out for anybody. So she sort of like was the MVP, but also the cause of the issues in the future or in the present for her. So that was really fun. Oh, and yes, and I love the fact that Const- speaking of the Constantine storyline um, that I did not mention earlier. <laughs> um, I really like the fact that they did have a purpose for like why uh, Charlie went to to Constantine's home, but also the fact that we got the flat like they told Constantine's storyline in like little ghost flashbacks so that was because cool. yeah. it was it was a nice uh way to go about it given that fact that this person was a ghost and he was trying to resurrect this ghost um so that it really fit within the storyline without having to like do actual flashbacks but you just saw glimpses of what occurred and put the pieces together so I thought that was really clever yeah um, I really liked this episode as well. Uh, I liked that it was just having so much fun on the, you know, French Revolution side of things, partying themselves to death with Courtney Ford's uh, horrible and yet hilarious accent, which she had to apologize to all of France for. Um, but at the same time, it also had, like, the point of the seasons. You know, like, like everything's heading towards this Astrid redemption, Constantine death, you know, the meaning behind the uh, encores and now finally a clue to Charlie's entire existence that ties back with Constantine. Um, So that was great. Uh, I liked how, like, you know, they had as much fun as they wanted to have and as much, you know, even, like, character analysis of Ava and Zari um, in the the, uh, Marie Antoinette side of things and then real plot movement. Um... I guess for the first time all season uh, on the Constantine side of things. Uh, and it felt like, like even though they were two totally, totally different um, parts of the episode, it all still gelled well together and it felt like one cohesive whole. Um, super glad that they incorporated the Loom of Fate for Charlie. So now it feels like she'll get to be more relevant in the rest of the story. Now we can finally see why Maisie was saying it's one of her favorite seasons or her favorite season. <laughs> like, because before we were like, what? Um, <laughs> and, and I love that they're incorporating comic book plot points for Constantine. Like now we're going even further back from the show and they're finally actually really digging into it and explaining it. So, um, uh, like him having lung cancer, uh, is like a comic book thing. I don't know if they've brought it up before. I don't feel like they did. Did they? No. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, so that's that that's that's really um that's really interesting and I'm excited to see um how like I'm assuming they're gonna try to like get the Loom of Fate back, right? And it's sprinkled across the multiverse. Get it all you know. pieces. Yeah. Exactly. So that'll give us something more to do outside of just finding encores and perhaps search for. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And perhaps that'll combine with like, you know, if Astra finds out that they could do that, then obviously the encores will be sent to stop them. So then they'll no, the points will intersect. They'll be good. Also, I love Gary. 
I love how supportive, like, loyal he is to Constantine. He's so cute. Um, I support you, Gary. You get a lot of hate, apparently. I was just randomly seeing on my timeline, like, people were complaining about, like, everyone hating on Gary and, like, saying... Oh, I didn't realize he gets that hate. Yeah, I didn't know it because I don't don't go here. You know, I don't go to the fandom. But, yeah, so I was like, like, it's not cool that you guys hate on Gary and, like, call him, like, an abuser because he made the girls dance that time. I was like, they were bullying him. That was his payback. Like, whatever. It's fine. Relax. Gary's okay, okay? Overuse that word without realizing, like, what it really means. (laughs) Gary's fine. (laughs) So, anyway. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I, I like that whole plot. Um... I am a little bit like, why is Constantine, like, so terrible? <laughs> you can't trust this man. <laughs> you can't love this man. I mean, it's just not going well for you. So, that sucks. <laughs> but anyway, um, I, I loved, I loved uh, Ray's reaction to, to Marie Antoinette, right? He's like, mm, it's Nora. And then Nora's reaction to it as well, you know, and they were just like chatting on the phone about it or on Skype or whatever you call it. Also, I love that they had their first little I love you. That was so oh, cute. Oh, yeah, that was cute. That was so adorable. He's like, I love you. And he's like, well, I'm so sorry. It's like, no, I love you too. And then fucking Mick ruins it all. But even <laughs> Mick was great this episode with his, I think she gave me an STD. <laughs> all these feelings. Those are feelings, Mick. You have feelings. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then, uh, with um, Gideon being like, "I have confirmed that you like like her." <laughs> that was so cute. I'm so I support this. I cannot wait for more Valley or whatever her name is. I think I read that there she there's gonna be more of that storyline. So I'm I'm looking forward to that. Um, oh, I'm so thrilled. <laughs> and everything that you guys said about Zari, it's so, like and Ava, it was great. It's like Ava's really getting a step up this season. I would I would say like oh it really feels like Sarah's been on the back burner, but part of that is cross crossover just like just like it yeah. was for Perry so far. So like that makes sense. And also this has definitely been Ava's best season so far. I think like they're really letting like clipping the time bureau and letting her like fly free and sort of like find a new uh, purpose has been really great for her character. And it really, like, works to have someone who's as buttoned up as she is in this new situation where she needs to be adapting and coming up with uh, new ways of expressing her inner person with a stick up their ass. I don't even know what. <laughs> Loosening up, basically. <laughs> so, yeah. And she and Zari did make a really uh, surprisingly excellent pairing. Um, and we got to see how, like, like this was, like, the most, like, Zari was, like, the most, like, parody of an influencer that you could imagine. And yet, at the same time, we get to see that she is still Zari inside, right? She's still yes. super intelligent, resourceful. Um, she knows what to do in a crisis. And she knows how to, like, work a room. So, it was That's great. what I feel like for, like, a lot of people are, you know, distinguishing two different Zaris, like, pre- crisis well not pre-crisis but pre-timeline change Zari and this Zari but I feel like it's still the same Zari like even like at the core of like how she operates and her like dry sarcasticness and everything like that I feel like it's still it's not really two different Zaris that need to merge but it's it's just the same Zari I don't think that like if she got her memories back it's not she just like especially if she gets her memories back and her circumstances don't change not much about her is going to change because it's really just like this Zari has had more of like you know freedom to do what she likes in her life and, and had more like visibility, etc. You know, she didn't have to live in hiding. She's literally famous because of her dragon and she doesn't have to, you know, be wandering the globe trying to save her family because her family's right there. 
So it's great. Um, I, so yeah, I liked, I liked everything about the Zari situation. Um, and, and her like figuring out how to work Marie Antoinette. Also, <laughs> the whole head thing, <laughs> um, was, you know, just lots of laughs, lots of laughs. Uh, laughing so much she almost forgot there was a plot, and then Constantine came in and was like, "Plot! I'm here <laughs> plotting you." So it worked out. <laughs> so yes, I will also say that almost everything else episode I liked. But was there anything that we did not like? I'm I have been surprised that there's almost almost everything about the episode. I don't think I have a dislike because I mean I, I I don't even think I can nitpick at this point because I just. I feel like, like I said, I feel like it worked on all cylinders, and I don't think I have anything that was disappointing enough for me to even like nitpick as a dislike. So I'm just gonna like pass the ball to me. <laughs> well, um, <clears throat> I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> I don't think there was anything that like stood out in the episode that I would even think to like really dislike. Even um, I feel like there was, and now I can't remember. I have a nitpick, mm. and All my right, nitpick, nitpick away. was just that I didn't like that Nate punched s'more money. Oh, you didn't? <laughs> no, because I didn't feel like there was a reason. I didn't feel like s'more mm. money did anything. Like he just punched him no. because he's like, "I'm jealous. You're Zara's fake yeah. boyfriend." Punch, and I was like, "What?" And then apparently, um, Nick Zeno said that it was it was actually Tala's idea for Nate to punch him. So I was like, Tyler really? just doesn't like Nate. She obviously just thinks that Nate's a caveman, a dummy caveman. <laughs> why would you, why well, would Nate do that? <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that I thought that more money's reaction was funny, but I didn't understand why Nate punched him. I was like, this was unnecessary. So there you go. That's my that's my nitpick. It's a wonderful nitpick. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff was like, it was wrong. You should have said nothing. <laughs> no, no, no. Let's <laughs> <laughs> well, see what Suara said. Because Suara okay. gave us some legends. Yay, feedback. <laughs> he says, oh my god, legends. I laughed so much. This was just perfect. Zarya as the undisputed hero of this episode was everything. I love how we got insight into her insecurities as a social media influencer, leading her to reflect on what she really wants, all while getting her old memories back. Her heart-to-heart with the Herod was so loving. I've been... Oh, one thing I forgot to mention that is, like, a minor thing, but that Behrad is so into cooking. Like, this should be, like, his actual passion instead of pretending to be at business school. Like, he should oh, actually, yeah. like, become a Yeah. I like that. Oh, he cooks um, and Zari eats. I love it. Yes, he cooks and Zari <laughs> eats with a perfect, with a perfect sibling colony. Yeah, uh, her heart to heart with Bear Heart was so loving. I've been loving her development so much so far. Courtney Fort clearly had the time of her life as Marie Antoinette, accent and mannerisms and all. She was so hilarious. I love that no explanation was given for why she looks like Nora. You know, there's doppelgangers all throughout the course of history. It's cool. <laughs> Constantine's storyline was interesting. I'm glad that Charlie is going to be pivotal pivotal to this storyline besides supporting John. Astra is being built up as a really intimidating and sympathetic villain, and I'm here for it. That cliffhanger was very good, and I can't not wait for next week. So even Suara was like 10 out of 10. Yeah, we all agree. And that's it. Hey, yes. So with that, um, do we have predictions? You I guess my big ride for Legends, you know. 
Yeah. I feel like I feel like once Dari does get her memories back, I feel like there will this be this like meaningful heart to heart about like Behra will actually understand more about Zari and all the things that Zari had to go through before, like in the previous timeline, along with the reasons why she is so like the way that she treats her business empire and um, all of her motivations. I feel like that'll be understanding to him more. And then I feel like, you know, even though I like both of them, the season's probably going to end with Zari regaining her place on the Legends with the Totem. Mm-hmm. And then finally, maybe Behrad will go to cooking school. <laughs> 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 so I think that would be great. Do that. <laughs> Do we have a lady and with I'll, them? Yes. Oh, yeah. yes. That's from Winter We Saved. Oh, well, Sue, definitely. I'm sorry to break yeah. up Black History Month with a not Iris nomination. Sue, <laughs> 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 definitely, for the flash, um, kicked all kinds of ass. And then on Legends, Zari. Yeah. Yes. I, I second runner-up would be Matt. <laughs> for for ghost-kicking uh, Constantine's uh, brain back into place, I guess. So overall, we have on Supergirl and Batwoman, we had um, Kate and who's Alex. Supergirl? Alex. Alex, Alex, Kate, Sue, or Zari. Yeah, I think I kind of want to go with Zari, but it could be Sue. I definitely right. go with the back half person. Huh? Yes. Yes, between Flash and Legends. Yeah. I, I would probably go to Sue because I feel like she just played on all cylinders and mm-hmm. – she guys, she played Ralph exactly the way that she wanted to play him and got what she wanted out of that situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she okay. had a plan. Yeah, she's a woman on a mission. Of course. All right, Sue, it is. Nope. Well done, Sue. Sue. Well done. All right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, with that uh, in mind, you can now celebrate Sue's win by sending us your feedback at DCTV Gumption on Twitter, Ladies W Gumption. At gmail.com, ladieswgumption.tumblr.com, uh, and, uh, you know, come back next week for, I guess, all the shows. Yes. Yes. So. Tragically for us. Oh, gosh. <laughs> How lucky. <laughs> all right. Bye. 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 Mm-hmm.